I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 62. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His MB. This episode where we are talking all things Real Housewives. And we have a stacked podcast episode ahead for your listening ears. Uh, but before we get into all of that, let's get into a few housekeeping things. Uh, the first and the most important being, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, if you can take a second right this second and please leave a rating and a review. It is so, so helpful to us, um, both for the feedback that it gives us, but also because um, it helps us get into the algorithm and seen by more and more people. Um, and we really are so thankful anytime that you do leave that rating and review. We got a couple of, uh, we got a recent one that was also very nice, uh, on Apple podcast, um, wow. a new one. So nice. yeah, it was, it was, it's, it's just nice to hear from you guys. So, um, and, and yeah, so please leave that rating and a review. Also, you can follow us across our social media platforms, all at a gay and his MB that's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and threads. Uh, we're posting clips from the podcast uh, from past episodes. You can binge um, old clips over there as well as get our instant thoughts on things that we are watching. Uh, and like I mentioned, that's across social media at a gay and his NB. Uh, you can also get merchandise from us over at a gay and his com. And over there, you can get a variety of different designs on a variety of different items, including T-shirts and mugs and stickers and everything in between. Um, yes. Yeah, so go support us over there uh, monetarily as well over at a gay mb.threadless.com. Uh, you also can submit questions for us to answer on a future episode of the podcast across our social media or at againismb at gmail.com. And we, um, anything that you want to hear from us in terms of stuff that we're watching, things that we like, our interest, um, just life questions in general, uh, we could answer them on a future episode of the podcast. So get those in uh, over at againismb at gmail.com. Babe, what is on tap for this Housewives of edition of a gay and his envy i'm so excited <laughs> we have a lot of good things i do want to um make a little bit of announcement um as we are coming up into the holiday season things will be a little bit wonky in terms of yes. scheduling so uh namely next thursday is thanksgiving here in the u.s um and so we will not be recording that day. Instead, to make sure that you have an episode, we will be recording earlier in the week. And we will actually be releasing that on Thanksgiving Day so that if you need some time away from your irritating family, <laughs> we got you. We have, will have an episode out on Thursday morning and then our usual Housewives episode will be out on Saturday as usual. Um, but that episode on Thursday will be things like uh, Big Brother UK. We'll be wrapping that up over there. Um, we will be talking about Married to Medicine, the best show on television right now. Um, we will be talking about uh, House of Villains. Um, and we may even dribble in a couple commentary notes on uh, current things in Drag Race uh, world. So... Um, check in with us then, uh, and we'll get you a, at least a couple hours away from your family. So, um, but on to today. So we're going to talk about uh, Salt Lake. Uh, Heather has that book signing thing, um, for her, uh, Bad Mormon book. Uh, and I really, uh, I, I need to pick up a copy. I think I would actually enjoy it considering my own religion journey all of that stuff yeah it was a good uh um, uh sentimental but also uh still crazy episode as always with Salt Lake. well yeah i mean 
consider the cast. Um, <laughs> we're also going to talk about Beverly Hills. The ladies wrap up their Vegas trip um, with some cowboy shenanigans over there. Um, Such a fun episode. I, I can't wait to get I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Well, when we get there, we'll name them. And then um, name them. <laughs> we're going to talk about Real Housewives of Miami, um, we've got that welcome home party for for Marcus being gone for three minutes. Was it three minutes he was gone? <laughs> anyway, um, welcome home party, I guess. Um, I guess when you got money coming out your ass, you can do welcome home parties whenever. Sure. I mean, that's just the thing, I guess. Um, but before we get to any of that, let's dive into Potomac. Real Housewives of Potomac for this week. Um, very interesting ep- episode. It's our first sort of introduction of the new housewife, NECA. Um, I, I have some interesting thoughts in terms of like how things are, how I thought things were going to transpire, and now how I think things will transpire, which are a little different and I'm kind of hopeful for. Ashley's stirring that pot. Oh, th- yeah. This was Ashley's episode of like, so I've arrived back and remember me, I'm uh, terrible. <laughs> and Bravo buried the lead here because all of the drama that we got leading up to what this whole season will be was NECA was causing problems with Wendy and accusing her of being Osu and all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And come to find out. Nope. Miss Ashley was the uh, <laughs> puppet master behind all that shit. It's almost as if, like, Candace has a point. We'll get to it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Ashley, we start the episode uh, with her going flower shopping with her mom, Sheila, um, to get ready for her housewarming uh, uh, seaside party, sort of introducing people to the new house and stuff like that. Which ain't near the sea. <laughs> Ain't no sea in sight. I, mean, I loved Mia at the when she was coming in, being like, "Where's the beach?" If it's, um, she had a seashell on the on the wall and decided to call that her seaside. Uh, uh-uh. uh, that ain't how this works. No. Um, she does mention here specifically that she's inviting uh, her friend Neca, uh, who has just moved into Potomac. Um, I forgot from where I should, I, th- I think I may have read in my notes. I can't remember, but like that she's a lawyer, her husband's a doctor. So she's, you know, she can't, she keeps, they keep making the note of like, Ashley keeps making the, the point to say she's a very intellectual woman and like emphasizing, like, I like having intellectual people around me and I'm like, okay, I don't like where this is going. Um, yeah, we'll have our thoughts on kind of like what is going on with this. Um, NECA is Ibo, which is a um, uh, Nigerian. Uh, I, I, I wish I would have come more prepared in terms of like, I, I wanted to do more research in terms of like what some of these terms mean. They, right. they try to inform a little bit throughout the episode, but, um, but NECA also, we see a clip from her dinner, her lunch with Ashley before where she's like, yeah, I know of Wendy, you know, I, I, she says that Wendy is like good friends with her cousin-in-law. So they've had like moments and like passing and stuff like that. So Ibo is the people of Southeastern, Southeastern Nigeria. Okay. So that just, it's a, uh, ethnic group, a gotcha. smaller, like sub-ethnic group. Uh, yeah. I'm like, I'm like on pins and needles cause I don't want to like <laughs> well, <laughs> say right. anything. Cause that's we like, don't want to be offensive accidentally i mean we wouldn't do it on purpose but like sometimes you just don't know yeah we're not ashley yeah we're not (laughs) ashley we're not going to speak on things we don't know about uh so her mom sheila um who i love i really like her mom by the way i i I realize i love ashley's family more than i love ashley (laughs) 
Uh, yeah. Uh, Michael excluded. Well, yeah, but that's like separate. That's like, yeah, that's by fuck that man. Yeah, but don't, don't nobody, nobody out there. He does not deserve sex ever again. <laughs> Do not fuck that man. I reflecting back, like he Sheila definitely got the because remember when like Michael was like making Ashley like cut her mom off and like, oh yeah, like yeah. Um, she brings up the Bahamas and that, you know, cause Ashley's talked about how she went to the Bahamas with Michael. And then she's like, did you ask about, um, Kim suing Candace for like $2 million? Ashley's like, yeah, I don't have any knowledge about it. You know, we didn't really talk about it at all. But then Sheila says, do you think Michael's going to move forward with the lawsuit? And he, and Ashley goes, yeah, he is. I think it really did affect his business. Did you talk about it or not? Yeah. Because also to say that you think it really did affect his business, you said at the reunion at the very least that you aren't really sure about his finances whatsoever. That you don't have a lot of knowledge about it in terms of that. Also, also sorry, go ahead. I was going to say also haven't people been fired for bringing up lawsuits before like actually suing other cast members? Yeah, but Michael's not a cast member right now is the thing. He's technically He's not. married to a cast member. They're not divorced yet. Right. But I don't, I think he doesn't, because he hasn't, like, signed a contract that's specific. Because you get, like, like I think that's the difference uh, when it comes to it. Now, what I will say, though, is, like, kind of, I don't buy this whole, like, Ashley's not in on or Ashley's not in on it thing. Because, like, convenient how the lawsuit's for $2 million and that house is $2 million. Mm-hmm. That's really convenient. But and and not to I mean Michael is terrible. That's just the baseline. But to the merits of it as well, I think it's so bullshit the idea that like Candace saying that he that there's a man that like sucks his dick or whatever last year that that cost his business two million dollars when he has already been on this television show acting like a sexual predator when he ain't acting when he literally had allegedly to, yeah when he had to go on a fucking local television show to refute allegations of cheating and of the um cameraman stuff like he like yeah years before any of this so like what are you arguing that Candace explicitly did to you in your business i just find it really frustrating that we even have to talk about things being like alleged when it's on camera yeah it's on camera. Well, we don't have two million, so <laughs> you ain't getting nothing from us, Michael. Um, and then Ashley has the goal to say in her confessional. I mean, like you ju- just can't... and I ain't sucking your dick either. Yeah, <laughs> she says. I mean, you can't just talk about people like that so recklessly. Oh, can't you, Ashley? Mm-hmm. I love that some people were bringing up on like, oh, remember when she was like accusing Monique of drunk driving and like, you know, that and she uh, Ashley can throw out any accusation she wants whenever she wants. Like about Katie Ross's like mental health and like well and and even when she's not gonna be willing to run her mouth herself, she brings in little Muppet Head to make accusations. Uh, What? That's her name. Isn't that her name? Little Muppet Head. Little Muppet. (laughs) Anyway, brings in little Muppet Head to talk trash about uh, Chris. Talk trash about Eddie. Like it's oh oh who did she? Who did she talk about? Or was it Juan that she talked trash about? Was it Michael she talked trash about? Was it someone that Giselle was seeing? No, it was 
the dark-skinned women that yeah. you're already aligned against. Yeah. Huh. I wonder why that is. Yeah. I, fi- I do agree with some people. Like, a lot of black uh, content creators I were seeing being, like, finds it weird that, like, NECA, like, NECA's part in this, like, probably unwillingly of, like, it was kind of interesting that you guys had a, the whole discussion about how this big alliance that you're all in are all of light-skinned women and then you bring in NECA interesting it's just mm-hmm. it's just an interesting theory um mia uh we see meeting up with karen at a park to sort of like hash things out karen can you you really liked karen's hair which i saw a lot of people shading her for online. i thought it was giving like rogue and x-men it was very x-men i like especially she had like this very like like shoulder like tight like sort of jacket like jacket dress like vibe like well but the the jacket was like this cropped jacket over this black dress and it was just very like it it very much was a i'm gonna go fight the evil mutants yeah today uh and i was like okay superhero yeah let's work bitch and it was so so give me is like hey how's it going and then karen extending her hand for her acquaintance handshake which this narrative throughout the episode it was hilarious it was such a good like karen knows how to whether she's like right or wrong whether she's like lying or whatever like she knows how to get the bitches together oh yeah like she and she is so great of just like making someone look small in that moment Uh Uh, uh, uh-huh we're not there yet (laughs) (laughs) they end up so they end up talking karen's like Last year, I was appalled because I've been nothing but a friend to you. I have never stabbed you in the back ever. And I, I actually agree in terms of the Mia stuff. Karen isn't, hasn't done anything really to Mia, I would say. No. no, Ain't nobody done anything to Mia. Sure. Mia's, Mia can get into trouble by herself. <laughs> Mia can be bad all by <laughs> But, like, I think, yeah, I think Mia, we, I think we were saying it at the end of last season that Mia definitely felt as if she was, like, Oh, I'm finally going to get accepted by, like, Giselle and Robin and the Green Eye Bandits and, like, be their new, like, you know, fourth. Like, and it really came off that way. And I think yeah. that's also what Karen is mm-hmm. reacting to. It's like, you yeah. sold my ass out for... You yep. Know, um, For some green contacts. <laughs> Mia, uh, or Karen tells Mia, like, you know, you lied when you brought back that rumor at the finale about me sleeping with the waiter at the whatever. And Mia goes, that wasn't a lie. Someone told me that. <laughs> like, that's not... <laughs> I get what she means about, like, I just said that someone told me this. I wasn't saying I saw this or whatever. But, like, that doesn't mean it's fact. And it doesn't... Absol- that's not Karen's point. Her point was that you should have verified before spreading it around. Yeah. Karen goes, my husband was disrespected so many levels at that moment. And Mia goes, you're right. I wasn't thinking about Ray. Like, and, and that effect. So they sort of like. Men- well, and Karen makes a good point. She was like, and, and that's the point. Because I've always thought about you and your husband and yeah. how it reflects on your marriage. And I've always thought about all these other women's marriages and how that affects things. So what you're not going to do is come up against me and my institution. Yeah, the institution, honey. <laughs> and it was just like, you better gather this bitch. Like, get her together. And the way she transitions, she goes, and you never have to worry about me bringing rumors about you and Gordon. Speaking of you and Gordon, how are you? And like, just like... <laughs> She's like, let's get into your shit. 
Oh, God. Karen brings up, like, uh, Giselle mentioning at the reunion about the embezzlement uh, from uh. the company. And Karen goes, which is bullshit, right? And Mia's like, yeah, it's bullshit. It's not true. I will say, to Giselle's defense, when it first happened, I thought the same thing. And Karen's like, you thought you are like... Look, she knows she a gold digger. Well, yeah. And we're going to see, from the trailer, we're going to see that a little bit more throughout the season. I kind of, here's the thing. I don't know how I feel about the Mia Gordon marriage and relationship. It's, I mean, it's obviously transactional. Right. Which is fine. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'm fine with it in terms of, like, if you... If both people are okay with that, do what you want to do. And, like, the Gordon in, like, recent interviews being like, well, Mia saw the money drying up, and so that's why she divorced me. It's like... Well, yeah. I don't blame her. Like, if you're being accused of embezzling money and there's shady shit going on, yet this is the time to cut and run. Here's the thing. If you marry for love and the love dries up, you get divorced, right? Yeah. If you marry for money and the money dries up, you get divorced. Same shit. Yeah. Like, if the reason that you got married to this person is no longer present, then why are you still married? Right. Like, I don't fault, like, we'll get to it with Beverly Hills. I don't fault Erica in the same way. And, and, yeah. It, like, what she, she got was, eight million legs up and took advantage of every single one. And I don't blame her for it. Yeah. Um, Mia then says, like, I, you know, I'm in a better place. I don't drink anymore. And then she goes, I do drink wine. You can get it at a grocery store, so it's nutritional. And I'm like, bitch, just because it's made from a fruit don't mean shit. Yeah, it's like, but also you can get a lot of things at a grocery store that you can't eat. Like what? Like, what is that logic? I could also get beer at the grocery store in most places. Yeah. Like, n- no. Um, Mia says that, you know, it could have been like mood altering, especially like in Miami with the drink throw. And she goes, I shouldn't have been drinking at all because I was on medication. Oh, here we go. I'm going to rant. I'm sorry. Because this has been a trend that has been happening lately on Housewives. And it's and it's going to happen again this episode, by the way, on Potomac. I am sick of this, like, I was drinking excuse. Like, and, and I'm not saying in the sense of, like, people who are actually have drinking problems or whatever. Like, I, like, I'm saying in the sense where it is so utterly obvious that you, utterly obvious that you are not blitzed out of your mind and you are using Mia. Mia was pretty fucking sober in that moment where she threw that drink on Wendy. Yeah. Like there's like, you know, the signs of someone who's mixed drinking and pills, Yeah. like whether Erica on Beverly Hills last season was acting, at least she was acting. Yeah. At least it was like very clearly what was happening. She was slurring her speech. She, whatever, like, like, there's no way she was singing along to the Christmas Carol sober. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that was, that was very clearly, obvious. like, something was going on. So, it's like this, like, Tamara did it on OC a lot, and we complained about it. Like, I just find it such a cop-out of an excuse, and I find it, like, lazy from a, a storytelling standpoint, but also just, like, really just stupid when it comes to, like, people who actually have drinking issues. Like, it's like... Well, and it's it's also one thing if you then follow it up with something like, I'm not drinking anymore. Right. Which Mia says that she is, but then she's still drinking. So it seems like she thought through that process a little bit, but she's like, no, nah, but I'm not actually going to give up my wine. So yeah. like, 
So it's just like, if you're going to tell a story, follow through with it. Tell the whole story from beginning, middle, and end. Don't sit here and bullshit in our faces like we can't see you. Right. Exactly. Karen or Confesso goes, when you betray me, ask Giselle. It takes me forever to, <laughs> to forgive you. So there's no going lower for me. I expect Mia to flip her ass like a light switch where I'm concerned. We'll see what's convenient for her. <laughs> also, um, speaking of that quote, and speaking of Karen's hair, can we talk about this amazing wig in the confessional? Oh, you love that little curly oh, number? Oh, I love it. It's giving me Whitney Houston. Yeah, I can see it's, that. It's giving me 80s pop diva. I just, ugh. Yeah. It's so good. Um, they shake their hands again. And then Mia, like, tries to do, like, a side hug to Karen. She goes, uh-uh, not yet. <laughs> Um, we then go to Candace at her house. Uh, she's having a meeting with her manager, Nye. Um, Candace is very cheap office. Well, the thing is, is it's not done. They're, I think they were just moved. Have they moved recently? Maybe. Because there sure. were boxes around. So I have to figure that. Her desk, which uh, uh, she said that Chris calls a barbecue table. It's a folding table. And at then, least it was black. It wasn't that white plasticky nastiness sure and she was like he goes a barbecue table and then our church chairs which are <laughs> like those heavily padded like just... folding chairs yeah um candace is talking about how you guys know, they're getting ready for the tour again and she's looking to trans she's transitioning from monarch which was her old label that she first got to right. start with to something more major which like cool because like i don't know what monarch is <laughs> like like, yeah. you need to be something a little bit bigger, probably. Yeah. And she has the potential for it. Yeah. So then the, this scene. So Nye then brings up, like, different ideas for the tour. And then he suggests, like, you know, we have, you know, a show in Chicago. I was thinking maybe as a guest we can bring in Drew Sedora. And she was like, Can like, is that your only option? And I goes, I mean, we can bring the girl we normally did for Chicago. And Candace goes, we should do that. And so this was, it just kind of was like, wow, we're just shading Drew Sedora for like, you know, she did, no she did clarify on her Instagram that there was no bad blood between her and Drew. She said there was like an extent, it, there was stuff that was missing in the conversation. And I think she, did, I, I think it's kind of, this is what I think it is. I think there was fourth wall stuff of like, I kind of want to distance myself from being the housewife singer. Right. Because there is a stigma that gets placed right. on you where like, and, and Candace doesn't want to be the same as fucking like Luann. Right. Who, who Luann has is her own niche in cabaret and all right. that. But like, but she's clearly a housewives act. She's not. Yeah. She can, she, she wants to actually be something in rotation that is, you know, right. Mainstream. Right. Like she's not Kim Zolciak. Right. <laughs> like, so I think that's kind of what it was. That's my that's my theory. She'd rather be Candy, you know, a musician who happens to be a housewife than a housewife who's put out a little record. Right. Yeah. Right. Um we then go to oh god. An, another fucking audition for an acting scene with Robin and Juan in the kitchen. <laughs> It's ter it's it's really terrible. It's bad. Oh, she's like sorting her vitamins or whatever. Like like we just got to be doing something so we can have this discussion. Um, and Robin goes, "I know you don't care about women's business, but I want to update you on the things that the women have been talking about." And like Juan is like 
putting stuff in the medicine bottle and like drops it. You could tell he was like he was like he w- he felt like nervous in this scene. Yeah. And it was like he was trying either he was trying to remember his lines or like there was some like I don't think it's that organized. You don't think they've like sat down and actually like No, I think that they I think they have had a conversation about like what their story is right but they didn't script it out i don't think they've scripted it out yeah they're not that organized um robin tells uh him about like giselle and ashley and sharice getting her together and she's like it was kind of like an intervention and juan goes do they know that like we had like conversations about this like prior and it's like (laughs) doesn't it it doesn't matter like it it just it doesn't matter how long have they been on this show they, they it's it's been eight fucking seasons does he not realize that things that happen off screen have to kind of be repeated on screen right for the continuity of the story <laughs> like they're like let's be really fucking real these women are not having these conversations for the first time on camera right a lot of times a lot of times these are this you know that conversation I had with you on the phone a couple of days ago great let's do that conversation again real quick cuz that's really like important to my storyline this season right so let's just rehash that real quick and then we'll move on well the thing is with that too as well it really is a sense of like the, their philosophy of like this happened in between filming so I didn't need to talk about it in the season i think they kind of feel that that about this whole story like, yes. the, like the whole of it breaking, like yeah. et cetera. They kind of feel like, well, why does it keep getting brought up? It's like you expect it to not be brought up. You expect people to not discuss this. Whiny bastards. Uh, they, it's so whiny, and that's my frustration. It's just like, woe is me, victim. And I'm just yeah. like, this is the wrong route for you to take. Like, like I, I just, I am not looking forward to hearing that from Sandoval on Vanderpump. Because you know that's going to be the entire season. Yeah. It's the same shit. It's this, well, it you didn't see it on screen, so why do we care? Right. Why is it getting brought up? I don't understand why it's that big of a deal. Fuck off. Yeah. Robin goes, she was like, in light of the laundromat picture coming out, like, why would you put yourself in a position to be photographed again? And then Juan goes, I don't care. Clearly. Like, like you don't give a shit about your wife. Yeah. But he goes, what? I'm not going to live my life. Like my circle is tight. I don't deal with a lot of people already. And I'm like, wait a second. So like, you're now saying my circle is tight. I don't deal with a lot of people already, but I thought you were this like generous, like nice, like people person guy who like gives $50 bills to homeless people and like, just like communicates with what is so which, which is it? Which the fuck is it? It's a good fucking point. Like you can't have it both ways. Juan. And then Robin goes, she wants me to be like mad. Like, and then Juan goes, go ahead. Get mad, Robin. Get mad. Cuss me out, please. Throw apples and oranges. Break glasses. Get mad at me. And it was like, okay, so Robin's learned. Like, this was like almost verbatim what Robin said at the intervention. Yeah. Like, they're like, you want me to just throw a shoe at him and go, I'm mad. Like, so it's like, if, if I'm buying like the whole, like the real the real elements of this because there's fake elements but there's some real elements in the dynamic between the two of them right robin is juan has kind of beat down robin a little bit right in terms of like you have to just defend me 
And I'm sure that's what it is. Like, I'm, you know, I, I watched that old uh, reunion clip from like season two where the cheating, the original cheating of why they broke mm-hmm. up got brought up. And Juan telling Andy, like, I'm not going to have it be betrayed like, you know, it was a one-way street on my part, you know, implying that we both fucked up the marriage. So it's like he's willing to just like sell Robin, like, and Robin's willing to just be like, yeah, you know, I'll, you know. It's just, you can see the same toxicity coming from both of them. And it's just like, at this point, if neither of y'all are going to give a shit, then I don't give a shit. Yeah. And y'all just deserve each other. Just get off my screen. Yeah. They say, they both say, like, I don't care about, like, seven more times, um, which is always a great sign to show that you don't care. Um, like, yes, because I don't want to watch anybody that's n- not invested in their show or yeah. in their their, their, their bleh, in their lives, in their friendships, in their marriage. I Yeah, I don't care. I don't want to see that. I don't want to see you actually investing in each other. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, if you don't care, why should I? Yeah. Uh, Rob, why are you here? Robin asks about, so are you, like, looking for work? And Robin's like, or Juan's like, yeah, I know. Like, you know, I, it's sad. You know, I lost my job. I know we did everything at a high level at my previous job. Unfortunately, I have a lawsuit. It's so, like. It's it's a little too lawyer speaky for me. Well, like, and, and also just stop talking around it. Yeah. If you did nothing wrong, then be transparent. Well, it's also not even that. Robin then says in her confessional, knowing what I know, Juan not only did, didn't do anything wrong, he did everything right and everything within his power. And... When they show the the article about the lawsuit with the guy, with the guy, um, the player that was catfished, I didn't realize the actual person that he was being catfished by was the assistant coach, right? Who was? Let let me check my notes. Oh, that's right. Working under Juan Dixon by definition, like 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 he like I can't unfathom the idea that Juan did everything correctly like it doesn't make that doesn't make sense to me like and and then Juan, then Juan, then just suddenly suddenly starts to like audition for the room this this felt like he was tommy wiseau because robin goes i mean yeah like it'll be a blessing when it's over like and then Juan just goes it's really unfortunate because all i do is love my guys oh all i do is just love my guys i love them i love my guys so hard <laughs> and they love me back it's like, what are you doing? Like, it's so weird. It, it gave me, it, it was. It, it really is the room. <laughs> just love them. Damn it. It's like. What? Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> it was literally that. You're tearing me apart, Coppin State. Like, what? <laughs> Juan then goes, I know things are going to work out because I have everyone's best interests. I put people before me most of the time. And then Robin goes, as do I. And that kind of felt like underrated shade. Like it felt like, yeah, because I'm putting you before me in this moment. Well, and it also (laughs) seemed like she was commenting on, yeah, you put everyone in front of yourself except me. Exactly. (laughs) Like that, like, uh, like that was also the key to what, like that was the thing Giselle kept reiterating in the intervention and Robin just like glossed over that part. Yeah. Like it was such the key part of what she was talking about. And it's like, what? Yeah. Um, we then see our first scene with, uh, NECA 
um, and her husband Ike as they're uh, doing touring their new house that they're getting renovated and all that stuff since they moved to uh, Potomac. Uh, and they're talking with their contractor, Jim, who looked so over them. <laughs> He's this older, like clearly like a man in like his sixties. I think he also had like some kind of like Eastern European accent or something. Like he seemed like, I didn't pick that up, but, but... he was like, like NECA is like making comments of like, no, this is my closet. Like this isn't going to be like a, re- you know, rec room for Ike or whatever. Like this is my closet. I stopped, you know, com- you know, they're having like, very like put on banter i felt oh yeah and like jim's like looking at them like okay then i guess like, like i i mean it's for television um neca talks about uh, in her confession he goes my name is neca i come as i am and what i am is remarkable it was a little i liked her more at the party later like yeah. she seemed chiller at the party but here she was kind of performing a little bit yeah well i mean i get it but like also like Take a shot. Chill. Yeah. NECA talks about, you know, I never knew generational wealth was a problem until I got delayed for my closing because apparently she had listed a bunch of, she for, forgot to list a bunch of properties that she has because she has like, she has like six in the U.S. and then like others in like Nigeria and like various other like. Wow. What a relatable problem to have. <laughs> it's so relatable. Did you also see a lot of people being like, oh, well, NECA talking like about like generational wealth, you know, when Candace got basically demeaned for it like her entire run on the show that's hmm, interesting that's interesting i know that's not on neca but like well, um, it is interesting who is aligned with her and who was shitting on her for the generational well yeah wasn't ashley the one talking about that your mama's house <laughs> don't ruin your mama's table is still my favorite line as much as i was team candace and like the argument ashley kind of ate in that fight <laughs> i'm just saying like ashley Okay. Yeah. Um, she says that her husband, Ike, is a doctor by day and a nightclub owner by night, which I find, like, the worst combination of jobs to have. Like, high stress as a doctor, and then you have to, like, run a nightclub? Fuck that. Like, especially, like, doctors get paid pretty well, I'm assuming. And then, well, I guess all the people that you overserve at your nightclub that you can then take in for alcohol poisoning at your... <laughs> yeah. Um, Neck and uh, Ike are planning on having kids, though, eventually. That's their next sort of big step. Um, she talks about how she, like, has a routine where she takes, like, prenatal vitamins and uh, <laughs> downs them with champagne. Which, I'm not a doctor, but I'm like, I don't think that's what you need to do. Yeah, that doesn't seem like the most wise of actions. Can I also, so they also show a flashback scene where NECA is, uh, like, I just came home from, like, some work trip. She's like, yeah, so you just came back. You didn't, like, beat off when you were there, right? Like, I need your sperm. And I was like, I mean, I just did it, like, one time. And NECA's like, are you serious? I'm like, do you know how the male um, anatomy works? We can, pr- not- we can produce a lot of it pretty quickly. <laughs> Yeah, and also after about three days, whatever's in there gets reabsorbed. It doesn't just sit there forever. Yeah. Like, it's not like like women's eggs. It, it's like you're born with all the eggs you'll ever have. That's not how it is with sperm. Yeah. Um, we then go to Wendy as she's meeting with uh, her friend who's a producer, Marsha, to find studio space because she's announcing that uh, she's starting her new talk show. Um, which she, I guess, I think she's launching now on her like YouTube channel, which is, is I mean, where it's going to start. She says later, like the goal is for it to like eventually be picked up. I like Bravo, MSNBC, Netflix, HBO. I'm like, 
Maybe Bravo. <laughs> Maybe. I do like the idea of the of Bravo giving Housewives other shows. Like, like, But talk- also, like, more than likely, it'll probably be on Heather DeBros streaming. Thing. Oh, what it, what was that HD. called? H- yeah, the HD network or whatever. But, like, yeah, I was like, there. Well, it, it is Wendy. Like, she's had, like, success in the political sphere so she may get traction in something like an msnbc but what kind of show is it i don't know like she because she's also like doing she's like i'm talking about like politics but also life stuff but i'm also doing like cooking segments and i'm like that's so the view but just windy kind of but also like <laughs> like Wendy has this tendency now. She she is kind of in that housewife trend of like coming onto the new season. I have to have a new project that I'm doing. First, it was the candles. Then it was the the restaurant that never happened. Oh jeez. And then and now the talk show. I think the talk show is works for her. Don't get me wrong. But it's also a big jump from three wick candles. Yeah. Um. I will give credit. One of the most gorgeous things across the shows this week was Wendy's confessional look here, that black with the gloves and the, Oh yeah, that was gorgeous. Like yeah. she really served it. Um, yeah. So she's talking with, uh, Marsha. <laughs> she says at one point, uh, that Marsha talks about like, yeah, we need like a PA, uh, you know, we have to f- narrow that down. And when he goes, I think I have a good PA for us. And when Marsha goes, I have one too. And then when he goes, What's a PA again? <laughs> She's like, <laughs> production assistant. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, that resonated with me. I'm the one, I'm the like, fake it till you make it, got, like, conversation But also, person. like, how were you then thinking you had someone for the job when you didn't know who the fuck that job was going? What? Yeah, it was confusing. Um, but, he, you know, hopefully the show goes well. I'll watch it. Um, we then go to Karen, who is doing Pilates with Ashley and Mia and Giselle. Uh, as like a get together, um, Car- Mia uh, greets Karen, and Karen gives her now the friendly handshake, which is up from the acquaintance handshake. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, Ashley, we find out because she's talking about like she has new boobs. They're called Demi and Diamond. Um, okay, it's I mean it's no happy and ass. <laughs> <laughs> also, as much as I loved Wendy's black uh, confessional look. I hated this confessional look on Ashley that like wrap around like gold, but like really like muted gold top. That was like, I don't even remember it. So that tells you it didn't, I didn't like it. It was too like nineties, but not like good. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's all, that's only, that's the only way I can put it. Um, Giselle literally walks in as they have their legs like spread open with like the contraption. She's like, what in the world? <laughs> It's like I love vagina, I love vaginas, but I don't need them greeting me. <laughs> um, Karen, they're all getting ready to work out, and Karen says that she's preparing for the triple twenty, which is how she refers to turning sixty. Oh, jeez! Yeah. I lo- I love Karen's like sort of like Karenisms that she comes up with. Like last year, she was the the, the big five nine. Um, oh yeah, they really they really stick with you. And then Karen starts talking about like you know you know. You know, turning 60, you know, I had to get a bunch of, you know, the normal tests done that you would do. And you know that my mom had, you know, like a triple bypass and was like a cardiovascular patient. She's like, you know, I still choke up when I say it. Calm down. I have 5% of calcium 
in my carotid arteries, but it's a number that cannot hurt me. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. I was like, she kind of played it up a lot, which I understand why people were like, what? Giselle's like, so that's why we're here. Cause you have a blockage. She's like, Karen goes, I have a deposit. <laughs> but okay. Like, but I also like, I mean, I also do remember like Karen's parents did die. Like, semi recently like in succession okay and and as someone who has a lot of medical anxiety personally like i could sympathize with that it was just the more way that like karen put it like karen was framing it as if she was like about to tell him that she had cancer (laughs) oh yeah like it was like oh god um yeah um uh, that's the real cancer no cancer yes exactly (laughs) um so they do they start working out they do this big like aerobics like sort of like editing compilation what do you can i ask you what do you think because i saw a lot of dialogue online about how both because potomac has the same production company as atlanta that like there's there's become like kind of an over-reliance on like the gags from like production like the editing, like, oh, look, we're in a 90s film or, or, or an 80s, like, workout video or, like, like uh, this, okay. was a, this was a funny one. But, like, the, the sketch drawing of Karen from last season that, like, they're kind of relying too much on it instead of letting the moments be funny. Right. Do you, I kind of am, am in between on it, on the discussion, because I understand the point, but also, like... They're, I think they're more funny than not most of the time. Yes. Um, I will say any of those sorts of antics that production was doing on Atlanta was overshadowed by the bullshit antics that they were doing. Right. So I don't know if I really... It's hard for me to connect the two. I know it's the same production company, like intellectually, but it's done so differently i don't really see the shady editing and the um heavy-handed favoritism on potomac and i think what i see on atlanta i think also it's like the with atlanta it was the perception is also like is it to like overcompensate for like a not so good season like you're putting in jokes from the editors that like right because there's not enough stuff there and i don't think that's the case with potomac but yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Giselle, and they're all sitting down after working out and talking, and Giselle brings up the intervention that she had with Robin. Giselle goes, she's come under fire from the world and their opinions about her and Juan, and that's why I say to you, Karen, are you going to apologize to Robin? And I, if I was Karen, I would have told Giselle to fuck right the fuck off. Like, you're starting with, like, Karen, you need to apologize to Robin. How about you apologize, Giselle, to literally anyone? Yeah. I, like... I, I, I'm a very team Karen over the green eyed bandits. And I always have been because I don't feel like they ever take ownership. I really don't. I feel like Karen, while ridiculous at times and not just at times, most of the times, I feel like Karen is willing to drop her swords for the betterment of either the friend group or the show. Right. More than they are. I mean, we're still at a place where Giselle and Robin are essentially trying to ice out Wendy and Candace. Yeah. And there's no, like, even expectation on them to to be adults and, yeah. like, fix it. Yeah. But I feel like it's always placed on Karen. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is that, you know, she has put on this title of Grand Dame. Sure. 
um, and has is kind of the matriarch of the group. Um, and so they kind of look to her to keep the peace a little bit. Um, but still, that shouldn't be on her because she's catching half of these, like, jabs that y'all are throwing on her chin. Yeah. It's like... Like, it just pisses me off now, especially. Like, when yeah. when we get to it later, also, where Giselle is, like, making such an active point to not even look at Wendy. Yeah, that was... It's it's just it's like who do you think you are at this point? Like to not Run just around to, leaving scars, <laughs> no. but also not just to act that way, but to demand shit of other people. I think is yeah, what frustrates me. Karen says like you know I do believe that there is truth to that woman you know that looks like me. You know Robin does owe me an apology, and I probably owe her one as well. So we'll you know you can mediate that, Giselle. <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about how uh, what's her name, Coach. Bethany, Coach, Coach Bree. Bree, yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks like, I think she's the woman that is reportedly looks like Karen. Yeah. She doesn't have blonde hair, but, like, that's the smallest. But she could have had different hair when that was reported. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I think there's, I don't think Karen, I don't think Karen pulled that completely out of her ass. She rarely does. Yeah. Um, Karen, <laughs> this is what Karen then goes. So, Ashley, last time I talked to you, your divorce was supposed to be finalized. Are you divorced? And Ashley goes, I am not divorced. And Karen goes, ah! <laughs> she says, <laughs> it's like, why are you screaming? <laughs> um, Any mention of Michael Darby is a jump scare. So. <laughs> That's what it is. Um, Ash- Michael Darby, ah! <laughs> Ashley. <laughs> oh, God. Juan wakes up in his cold sweat. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh god ashley ashley said okay and i was confused too ashley says that her name her only she's the only name on the deed of the house i don't see how this is possible but he pays the mortgage well it's one thing if he pays the mortgage fine but he is on the mortgage right like his name is on the mortgage the way that the mortgage like, as someone who has literally worked in titling, I've done it for cars, so I've not done it for mortgages, but it's the same shit. You can't have a name on the deed that doesn't reflect the name on the mortgage, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, 98% sure. Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty damn sure that that's how that works. Um, because, like, they hold the deed until the mortgage is paid off. And then they send you the deed in the mail. They're not going to send a deed to a third party. Right. Exactly. Like, like that's not how that works. That doesn't make, yeah, it's, it's, it's all too confusing. I don't, I think there's something to this where they're not fully divorced and I'm suspicious. Mm-hmm. Um, Karen goes, how do you all feel about Candace? And Giselle goes, I don't know who you're all talking about. Like, again, just being like, Ugh. Ugh. Ashley goes, I mean, she told me to never like speak to her again. Um, and then Ashley details what she's talking about. She goes, Candace had said something at the reunion about something that I had done or was trying to do. And I texted her proof that it wasn't true. And I, and I was like, is she talking about like the Chris thing that Chris was saying on that interview about the, like that they were going to, that, that he had gotten that DM that Giselle and Ashley were going to bring up new accusations at the reunion. Remember that? Like yeah. the drama. I feel like that's what she's talking about maybe so but then she says that like candace then texted her and we see the text message candace texted her 
Who you have shown yourself to be is someone who will conspire with your castmates to lie and embellish about very dangerous accusations for entertainment purposes. And then Ashley reading this goes, I never did that. You'll do it later this episode. And you did it last season. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. She, Candace continues, if you will do that, you will do anything. Please do not text me. You have made it very clear that we are not friends or even acquaintances. Plead your case about your character to someone else. And I was like, 10 out of 10, no notes. So literally, to me, the way I see this happening is that that rumor happened where they talked about somebody on production had gone to Giselle about framing Chris for this thing. Right. And, you know, like Ashley basically says, no, this isn't true. This is proof that, you know, this wasn't what we were doing. And then if I'm Candace, I'm going, okay, well, that one thing isn't true, but this, 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 and this that you did all season and have been doing consistently through your time on this show yeah. has proven that this is your character. And that's what that text message reads to me. And also, how does Ashley disprove that with evidence? I don't know. Like, how, but, is, how do you prove a negative? Right. You, you can't. But what I mean is is that seems to me to be what happened here. Right. Is that Ashley's tried to say, well, I didn't do this one thing. And Candace was like, okay, but you did 87 other things. Yeah, exactly. So just because you didn't do number 88, don't mean you're off the hook for 87. Right. So like, get your shit together. Cause this is over like this bullshit. And you like lying to me about being my friend and trying to snuggle up underneath my elbow while you're over here talking shit about my husband behind my back. Not going to happen anymore. We're not doing that anymore. Yeah. Lose my fucking number, bitch. Yeah. Um, we go to Ashley's uh, seaside in the city uh, housewarming. Um, guests start arriving. Giselle's dress is ugly. I'm sorry. It's bad. This like weird. And it was just like. Ugh. The worst clashing colors. I know they shouldn't it's like clash. It's grass like, green and like strawberry red. It's like stop. And it should work because it's like watermelon kind of. But it, it's like, Yeah, but like uh, just stop. The, 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 just get her a stylist. I Like it's so bad. And if she has one, fire them. Yeah. Get a new one. Uh, Giselle's talking with Ashley and, and Ashley's uncle, Uncle Lump, who I love, by the way, because he is so. What kind of name is Uncle Lump? <laughs> Lump? L-U-M-P? L-U-M-P. Lump. The fuck is that? That's some country bumpkin bullshit right there. But, so he's asking about the Bahamas. Giselle goes, you know, you and Michael, like, if you guys can, like, get along with the kids, you know, and, you know, have that copacetic thing, I love that. And then Lump goes, so he went on the vacation? I didn't know that. And Ashley's like, I mean, yeah, like, when I, I think when I FaceTimed you, like, I didn't tell you that he was there. Like, he was probably, like, with the kids on the water slide. And he's like, Okay, that's interesting. Ashley says to her confessional, my uncle is just an old school dude. And I was like, no, your uncle is just not an idiot. Like, that part. Like, she, she, she goes, it makes it hard for him to empathize and see my perspective. And it makes it hard for anyone to see your perspective because it's fucking crazy. Literally no one with two or more brain cells can see your perspective, dear. Yeah. It makes no sense. Um, like I said, guests are arriving and all that. Um, Ashley is giving them a house tour, uh, of the place when Wendy then arrives, Wendy is like, Hey, and then goes and hugs Karen. 
Giselle is next to Karen and Giselle makes the point of just like, again, like I said, not looking at Wendy and like stepping to the side to like be Mm -hmm. so like, you know, intentional about it. But Wendy just hugs Karen, skips Giselle, hugs Sharice, skips Mia. (laughs) And when she jumps to um, Sharice, Giselle steps the other direction back towards Karen. And it's like, Stop it. Yeah. This is nasty. Ma'am, you're in your 50s. I'm sorry. Like, Yeah, like, I can't. You you literally were the former first lady of a rather large church. Hold yourself to a higher standard. Yeah. When he says in her confessional, the time for civility is long gone. I have greeted those who I want to greet. Yeah. Um, And then, oh, my God. And then, so they're all, like, they get the tour of the house or whatever. And then Deborah walks in the door. Oh, Muppet head ass. And Wendy's face with such a mood like, huh? The fuck is this hoe doing here? She goes, child, now why is the liar here? I know this is a housewarming, but I didn't know it was a kid's party. The entertainment came early. Like, this is so ridiculous that Deborah is like at these events. And also with what ends up happening at that finale party that we know of, whether it's going to get shown Oof. on TV or not, it is so stupid to bring Deborah around. Yeah. Was that the finale party or the rap party? I can't tell. I thought it was the rap party. I know, but it was like for Ashley and Giselle were like unveiling that like that clothing line thing, right? So oh, then it would be the finale party. I would assume yeah. it's going to be on the show. Yeah. Um, and. And I did, I noticed this on the rewatch, by the way, because they're, they're outside by the tables, right? Like mm-hmm. where they're having going to eat or whatever. And there's a quick shot you can be, like you could blink and miss it. Deborah is trying to sit at the table where the cast is going to sit, and Giselle literally goes, "Um, I think Robin's going to sit there." And like she like it takes her like she's like sitting at the table at one point, and then suddenly is not. And I feel like it was really a case of like a producer being like, no, you literally like we're not miking you and sitting you at this table. Like, no, go like it. it, I mean, if you've seen her on like Instagram and stuff like that, like she's thirsty as fuck for a spot. (laughs) And it's like, Uh, she should not. Wendy's like, she doesn't even go here. (laughs) Yeah. Robin arrives and it's all like dramatic editing with her being there. She t- says her confessional, I'm not running from conversations. If you got something to say to me, say it. It's like, okay, then, then, then don't play victim. Um, uh, uh, Ashley introduces everyone to NECA. Wendy, they played this for like shadiness, but the producer asked Wendy her confessional, have they ever, has she met NECA? And she's trying to like figure out like how many times she is. She's like, I, I've like seen her in passing. Yeah, like, they've run into each other at parties. They don't know each other, but, like, they've seen each other around. Yeah. yeah. I saw a lot of also visceral reaction from, like, black creators as well at this moment. Ashley tells Wendy, like, yeah, you and Necker are both uh, Ebo. And Wendy, uh, and, and Wendy's like, oh, like, but, like, you're, like, the, Wendy's, like, teaching them, like, the actual pronunciation of Necker. She's like, well, it's not, like, Necker. It's, like, nin, it, she's, it's, like, Nika. Or, like, it's, like. There's like a double pronunciation of the right. uh, and like the, it's like a long right like uh, uh, pronunciation and Neca goes, I mean, but like you know we're in America, we can make it like comfortable for them and like I saw a lot of black content creators on Twitter being like, "Yep, this is some bullshit." <laughs> like, yeah, well, a lot of people like, but I also say that as somebody who has a very hard to pronounce name that like it's really not like there's literally like. Two commonly used words that your name sounds like. Amen, like 
aiming a bow and arrow, aiming your car, aiming uh, a, a gun, whatever. Aiming is used quite often, and amen. Sure, but like I, I have the tendency to be like, just say whatever. I don't care. Like I, I, you know, because I've had it gotten wrong for so long. Um, then it, and then this felt so court. Like Ashley then pulls Wendy to the side to go inside to talk. I was like, what is this? Um, Wendy tells Ashley, like, you know, I'm really proud of you, you know, with your house. She says, our goal is always to provide for our children with a home filled with love. And when I walked in, I felt it like Wendy's being very genuine with Ashley. And you, you can tell Wendy kind of wants a friendship with Ashley. Yeah. But she's also padding the punch that's about to come. Well, yes. And I think what it is, is that Ashley did kind of stand up for her a little bit with the whole icing her out last season. Especially at the point of the drink throw. Like, she, right. was, she was advocating for Wendy at that point, which I think Wendy appreciated. Yeah. Um, Wendy tells Ashley that, you know, I've always, you've always made me feel like I've mattered. But sometimes I have questions. And, and then she brings up Deborah being around, like, you know, she's like, you remember everything that happened with that, right? She's <laughs> like, you created this house full of love. And then you brought this trash in here <laughs> and stumped the whole place up. Yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> Wendy says, I really want to feel like Ashley. That's my girl. I just don't want it to feel like if the opportunity presents itself, you'll stab me in the back. Fast forward. <laughs> to Actually rewind technically. Yeah. Ashley goes, I mean, I worry that it, I mean, I do worry that it makes you feel guarded about me in the group that you don't want to share vulnerable things. And, when he's like, it just needs to be safe. But also, it's like, to also not just say it with you, but with, like, the group. It's like, Ashley, what in this group has made it safe for Wendy to share vulnerable things with them? Right. Like, Giselle and Robin alone. Like. Right. It, it, I just don't understand that. Well, and what we're not going to do is twice in the same week have a black woman say, I'm not comfortable sharing intimate details about my life. Yeah. And then be shamed by the rest of the people in the group. For having that feeling. Yeah. Because that happened to Giselle. Or no, not Giselle, Garcelle. And it happened here. It's like, we're not doing that. We're not doing that again. Yeah. Ashley's like, I mean, I brought up the Happy Eddie thing to you last year, you know, to be a friend. I'm, I mean, I would expect that you would want that. And when he's like, yeah, I want the honesty. Don't get me wrong. I think the thing is, like, Ashley's not willing to admit that she was a active participant in the Deborah stuff. Uh-huh. Um, she, Ashley goes, I will say, though, I mean, in that vein... I, I told NECA that you were a doctor and she was like, like a medical doctor, like saying it like shadily. You, I, you, you and I kind of disagreed on that. I don't even think NECA meant it shadily. No, I think she did. There's, there is a, amongst medical doctors, you even see it on Married to Medicine a little bit sure. because they will shade heavenly for being a dentist. Right. And not a quote unquote real doctor. So even within medicine, there's a hierarchy. Yeah. Um, but then if you are not a medical doctor, people act like your doctorate doesn't really matter. Mm. And they won't use your title. Yeah. I just, I just, the tone when they played it back just seemed more inquisitive to me more than like, oh, is she a doctor like my husband? And then when she said, no, she's like a, a doctor in philosophy. Etc. Because see, it didn't, I didn't seem like a dig. It, it felt that way to me. And here's the difference: if she had said, "Oh, oh, like a medical do- medical doctor," if that had been the phrasing, fine. But she didn't. She said, "Oh, like a medical doctor," 
Oh, I see. I didn't get that. Yeah, there was that uh, mm. to it, and I'm like, mm, mm, there's shade. There's a touch of shade. Also, I'm not sure if there was any weirdness around, like with the the osu part of it or not. I don't think there was any because. If there had been that, then she could have also been playing into, like, weird stereotypes. Mm. Like, because there's also the whole thing that comes up later in the season about, quote-unquote, witchcraft. Right. So then, could she have been insinuating, like, a witch doctor or something like that? Oh, maybe. You know what I mean? Maybe. Like, there's nastiness here, and I'm pretty sure it's been planted by Ashley. Yeah, but I don't, yeah, I don't think she's at the point in that, in that lunch with Ashley. I don't think she's at the point with, like, the whole witch stuff yet. And but, I, but Maybe. But again, that brings me back to my point earlier of have they had this conversation before and are repeating it on camera for the show? I don't think they are because of, uh, we'll get to it, because of NECA's response online when this episode aired. Maybe. I, maybe that was coordinated as well, but I don't think it is. And I actually think NECA was pissed with what Ashley did here. I, I Okay. And I'm hopeful for that. I, I Look, I will give her the benefit of the doubt, but I'm going to stand by my girl, Wendy. Sure. Well, 100%. Um, Ashley then goes, and I guess there was this, like, article about, like, you being Osu or something. And I was like, oh, this silly thing. And she was like, Osu is, like, terrible. And they play it back. And she, like... She portrays it in that when she says it to Wendy as if NECA brought it up first and then right. she Ashley replied that it was silly and then she's like, no, it's really terrible. That's not what happened. Ashley brought up the article. Right. In the conversation. And she's like, and when NECA's like, what did it say? Like, like, what was it saying? And then Ashley was like, that she's Osu. And then NECA just described to Ashley what Osu means. In detail. And was just, and because I guess it's a thing of like, um, it was like an old thing of like, you know, people who would give up their children to like the government or like the kings, like. Well, it's like an ancient gods. Ancient gods. That's what it was. And then like, but she's like, but it's like been abolished. So like, you know, it's, so it's not, you know, it would just be a basic a way to refer to like someone who's like an outsider or whatever. So, but NECA's just saying what it is. She's not accusing, and she literally says, I don't know, I haven't heard anything that Wendy is or isn't, so it's like, I, I yeah. don't know anything about that. And then the producer literally asked Ashley in her confessional, like, you kind of made it out to seem like NECA was, like, talking trash about Wendy. And she goes, uh-huh. That's how I remembered it. Shit. Like, it was that tequila. I shouldn't have drank. Stop it. Like that's why that's why I'm like that's such a bullshit excuse. Like like stop it. And it's so intentional what she's and it's a smile on her face and it's like it's very oops. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like stop it. So I'm really gonna look at everything that progresses later with with um, Wendy and Neca. I think really differently simply because of that because I think both of them are under a false impression. Yeah. I think that's what it is. And because Wendy says in her confession, like, I expected more from, like, a Nigerian woman than to bring up this, like, fake blog or whatever. And it's like she didn't bring it up. So yeah. I think, again, we see the preview for next week. I think what happens is Wendy is under the belief that NECA is spreading these rumors about her. She right. takes this to her mother, who she talks about. And then her mother then takes this telephone of false information already, takes it to NECA. And then NECA is then taking that as if she's being attacked unnecessarily. Right. And that's how it spirals. Right. Yeah. 
So I, I, I'm going to give NECA a pass, not a pass, but like, I, 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 I want to see how it plays out. I'm going to give her more of a benefit of the doubt. And I really hope that she actually tears Ashley to fucking shreds at the reunion. Oh, I, I hope so too. I, I don't know if Ashley survives this reunion. Yeah. You would hope so. You know, finally she can get her comeuppance. Um, but that was Potomac for this week. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of real housewives of salt Lake city. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, much. Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the Wrestling Man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery, concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at sidekickmediaservices.com Welcome back to A Gay is NB. Let's head on over to Utah where we see what we hope is a rap on Lisa Barlow rapping on Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. That was a fever dream. It was terrifying. Oh God. Real Housewives of Salt Lake City for this week. Um, it's, it continues to be the episode where Lisa just is fucking losing. And she is throwing haymakers left, right, and center. She is like, she's like, like a drunk person, like, like just like throwing punches at any bystander, like passing her by because like she was directing like shade and like nastiness, particularly throughout the confessional at pretty much everyone. Like, yeah, it was, it she was losing it. Lisa Barlow is the nastiness in rumors. <laughs> um, speaking of Lisa, we start the episode where Lisa is arriving at Whitney's house. Um, and she can't get the gate open. <laughs> like they they show this like yeah. struggling scene, which I have been there. Like some of these, some of y'all with these gates, like it's a struggle. Don't make it easy. Like I'm just saying. Um, so so uh, they arrive and they're just sort of like chatting around Whitney's kitchen. When he goes, I'm so tired, so I'm just making a charcuterie board, and I'm just going to chill. And Lisa goes, oh, my gosh. <laughs> also, making a charcuterie board, the entire preparation for this is the worst part of cooking, which is chopping things. Why would you make an entire meal when you're tired around the worst part of cooking? And also a meal that's not going to be like an actual meal. <laughs> right. 
It's a bunch of cheese and crackers. Stop it. Just get a Lunchable. Yeah. Heather then calls Lisa, and Lisa goes, Hi, Heather. I'm with my bestie. <laughs> Which was such a, like, shady thing to say. It's, I know Heather and Whitney are, like, somewhat better, but it's like, Jesus Christ. Heather then tells Lisa that, you know, I'm doing like a book event in Salt Lake, um, you know, and I have an idea where like maybe you could like introduce me and maybe you can like sing away in a manger. And she's like, yeah, that's great. Why? <laughs> Why? Because it, it was, so, I mean, it was, it was a meme. Last it is year. right after Easter <laughs> at this point. It's, it's Lisa Barlow's hit single, Away in a Manger. Because she literally says that later, that it's my hit single. It's... <laughs> Jesus is so old, he's in bunk beds now. Why, <laughs> he's not anywhere near that fucking manger anymore. Yeah. Lisa then asks, like, so, like, what happened at my PRISM event? And Lisa goes, I don't know. It was so weird. The whole thing was, like, so weird. <laughs> was it weird? I, just, I can't. I mean, it was weird for us, but I think you, it was pretty clear to you what was happening. Whitney goes, I was mortified by how you guys behaved. Lisa goes, I did not start that. Whitney's like, I don't care who started it. You both should have self-awareness not to scream at my business event. And Lisa goes, what did you hear me scream? Say it. What did you hear me scream? Name, Name up. up. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it with Beverly Hills. Lisa, and then Lisa just starts going in on Whitney in the fucking confessional. She goes, are you kidding me? You of all people should not be talking to me about event etiquette. Did you forget about Coach Shaw's birthday party? And you're like chastising me? Maybe I should be mad at her for having a cash bar with no food. It's like she goes like scorched earth on these people. And just be, and Whitney says it later that it's like, any disagreement about Lisa's perspective is like an attack on her. And it's like, you're proving her point. Yeah. Well, and I think because by the time she's filming confessionals, Jack <laughs> is already away on his fake mission. <laughs> and so <laughs> allegedly he's waiting for his visa, but he's waiting for the visa in Orange, Orange County. County. Okay. Whatever. He's wearing his mission badge, so He's I He's going to freeze to death waiting for the visa in Utah. He's got to go to Orange County. That's what... It's just... Why, do I, why are you mad at him protecting my son? I guess. Anyway, so... So... But she, it reeks of, I'm angry at this other thing, so I'm going to go scorched earth on this. Oh, for sure. Like, we said it. Like, Lisa is, like, holding it in inside how much her son hates her. So. But he's also still in Orange County six months later. Yeah. So, like... Also, how long does it take to get a visa? I don't know. <laughs> um, Lisa apologizes to Whitney, but she's like, you know, I'm just confused by Angie's behavior. I don't feel like she likes Monica, and I don't think Monica likes her. And then Whitney's like, so is it that you're kind of sort of upset that they're becoming friends? And Lisa's like, no, no, it has nothing to do with that. No. And Whitney's like, I mean, that does make sense, though, because you were upset when they were hugging. And Lisa goes, well, it contradicts what Angie said. The ocular doesn't match the words. It was like, the ocular? <laughs> the vi just say visuals. Just say, like, the actions. Like, just say talk. <laughs> uh, um, Whitney goes, I do think that this weird, this weird sense that Angie has to please you. And Lisa goes, no, 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 no. That's not the case. That's not the case. Whitney goes, 
says, this is where Whitney says her confessional. It can be very difficult to talk to Lisa because she can only see things from her perspective. And if you don't agree with that perspective, she takes it as you are against her, which is exactly what it like. Like yeah. it's so obvious. It's like, no, I like Lisa. Keeps being, no, I'm just confused. Just don't confuse me. That's the only thing. Just, this is, don't you hear my tone? This is the tone of confusion, not anger. <laughs> Lisa then just goes, I don't care if they're fucking friends. Don't lie to me. If you're calling me saying, fuck Monica, fuck Monica, fuck her. And Whitney, literally, we see her son, like Brooks, like come down the stairs and listening to her like 10 year old son. And Whitney's like, I swear in front of my friends, but like not in my home. And Lisa's like, sorry, sorry, Brooks, if you can hear us, sorry. Like, just like, like. (laughs) People were so upset about this at Wendy. Or at Wendy, at Whitney. and Because she did say fuck first, but like... Who gives a shit? Number one, she was quiet. Number two, you're a guest in her home. She gets to have rules for her own conduct that are separate from rules for your conduct. Yeah. And she also wasn't screaming. Like, much in the same way of how you act at someone else's event, there's a way you act in someone else's home. (laughs) Like... Right. Um, Clearly. Whitney, because... I'm happy to listen, but, like, if we keep yell- yelling at each other, and Lisa goes, I'm not yelling. Yeah, okay. And then Lisa, Whitney goes, it's just in my house. She goes, okay, Whitney, here's the thing. Okay. <laughs> like, she keeps, like, trying to, like, it happens, like, eight times in this, like, 10-second span where Whitney's just, like, stream of consciousness talking, and Lisa goes, wait, but, like, one thing, wait, oh, okay. Wait, but, like, oh, oh fine. Yeah, no, I hear you. No, I hear <laughs> Whitney did keep going on and on about it. But I get it. She's like, Whitney's like, if I don't finish this sentence, she's just going to run over me. No, I, yeah, I get it. I, I, just an aside, why is everybody named Brooks? (laughs) Is Is, is it a Utah thing? (laughs) Is Vicky's ex from Utah? Oh my God, is he? He's from like somewhere in like that region, I think, right? Is it just a Mormon name? Maybe. But, like, Meredith's not Mormon, so why did she name her And Meredith not, is not even originally from Utah. Right. It, 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 oh, God. It's like, it's like Jersey with Joes. Yeah, like, I guess. I, I guess, guess. That's just, it's just in the water. I don't know. <laughs> it's in the snow. Lisa in her confession goes, oh, my God. Suddenly, I'm like Emily Post, and I'm going to explain to you how to behave. Well, let me get you a copy, bitch, because the first rule is you don't make your guests feel uncomfortable. It's like. No. The first rule is get the fuck out of my house if you don't do what I say. Sure. <laughs> okay. I'm, a, I'm allowed to be unreasonable in my house. Yeah. Um, we go to then Heather visiting Mary at her house. I love that Mary's like friend of role on this show is just at her house. Like people come to her house as if she's like, I, I don't know. It's like this weird, like meeting point that like everyone just like visits her. I'm convinced it's an alternate dimension. Yeah. It feels like it when you step inside. It's something. Heather literally says that the chairs that they were sitting in, like, are like the ones from like Whoville, which was very accurate because there yeah. are these like weirdly like, and everything is like like Tiffany blue in the kitchen and sort of like like tone tonal colors, and then there's these like bright pink, yellow, rainbow like it looked like the chairs that you would have this and because we're watching it, it looked like the chair that would be like the confessional chair in like Big Brother UK. 
Oh, see, I was thinking it was very, um, it, I would have expected it in House of Villains or as that. the throne. Yeah. It's, 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 it's very throne. It's too much. Um, I did know you really liked Heather's, um, mustard like coat that she comes in. I on. thought that color looked really good on her. It did look good. What did not look good was, uh, Mary's hairline, which, oh, was, dear so, God. which was so distracting during the scene. It was something. It was running away from her faster than her son is. There was. <laughs> Let's not get into the sun. We can. I saw the like articles. Too much is happening in that family. But also with the hairline, like it, there was, there, there was one point when she's talking to Heather where it fixes, like it fixes at one point when they cut to it. And then, and then it then goes they come, back. It was like, what is happening? Like it felt very much like, like Mary forgot they were filming that day <laughs> and she just threw a wig on her head and didn't glue that shit down. Yeah. I also thought it was really interesting that this has been like the most open to conversation Mary has been like the whole season. We talk, we joke about like yeah. she hates being there. She seems to like somewhat like Heather. She tolerates Heather. At the very least. Yeah. Like she's open enough to Heather. Which she's is, like, oh, Heather, you're a human. Yeah. She says it has like has to do with like like I feel like we both have like this like spiritual connection with each other. And then she says it <laughs> very differently. Oh, to have a spiritual connection with a cult leader. Yeah. Oh, geez. You were in a cult. I'm lead a cult. Like, same difference. <laughs> Mary goes in a... Mary says her confessional. I never got to spend, like, one-on-one -on -one time with Heather because she was always under Jen. So now that Jen's gone, I can have a real conversation with her. <laughs> and just something about her... As this like cult leader being like, now that Jen's gone, as if like I I'm sent gonna her, swoop in. <laughs> like, like Jesus Christ. Literally, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mary asked about like Heather being like disconnected from the church. Heather's like, I mean, like you you know how our community is, and now like, you know, we take art to dissenters, and Mary goes, Mm-hmm. We don't accept them. <laughs> She's like, I kick them out. <laughs> uh-huh. Mary literally says her confessional. I think Heather wants both. She wants her church and her community, and she wants her dark side, but she can't have both. Her dark side? Her dark side. Like, just, like, not being, like, in a cult? Is that the dark? Like, you know what I mean? Like, what is Heather? Is Heather this, like, I mean, we've seen uh, at moments, but, like, she's not this, like, wild child. Like, we we've talked about like being fans of wrestling and there being there's this show out uh called Dark Side of the Ring that yes, yes, like yes. talks about like some of the like deep nasty secrets, right? That like from old school wrestling days and like how, you know, any industry is plagued with stuff like that. Can you imagine if there was a dark side of Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? <laughs> And it's talking about Heather, and it's just, I mean. She puked in a Sprinter van that one time. <laughs> I drink, and, like, I raise my kids to be sex positive. <laughs> oh, I also sometimes don't wear straps on my dresses. Really dark shit. <laughs> like, it's like, the, the, like, equivalent to other dark shit that has happened on this show. That is the lightest dark side I have ever heard of. Yeah. Mary then goes, speaking of the book, I read the part you wrote about me. Uh, it wasn't true. 
Uh-huh. And then Heather Lee goes, every word of it was true. And like, she, Mary's like, I didn't like it. And, and like, Heather reads the, the part about Mary in the confessional, in the confessional. She goes, Mary was equal parts elusive and forthcoming, engaging and disinterested. I agreed with anything and everything she said. And when she corrected my grammar, my pronunciation, my diet, and my physical appearance, I hung my head in shame and thanked her sincerely. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah. Like, she really... And and, and to me, that is more just self-deprecating on Heather. It's not even... I mean, it does say, like, you called me fat, but, like... Basically. Which you did. And you still do. Yeah. And you still call her what we're about to get to. Heather goes, in her confession, I don't think anything I said was bad. And if anything, I erred on the side of caution. (laughs) Yeah, honestly. Heather says, I mean, there were harsh words exchanged. And Mary goes, and what did you find harsh? Like, confused by it. And then Heather goes, I mean, you said I don't even know that I look inbred. Yeah. (laughs) And then Heather then goes, do you think I look inbred? And Mary goes, I do. But then the that like that was in the trailer for this season, right? And it was like such a jump scare of how crazy it was. But I feel what's even even more crazy. Mary then goes, "Did that bother you when I said that?" She is delusional. Did she think it was a compliment? Did she mean like in like actual bread? Did she mean? Oh, it looks like you're surrounded by bread. But she also, that's the only way that could be even slightly complimentary. Don't even, don't even try because it doesn't make any sense. Because she literally, the, before that, she is the one like, look at her with her, you know, obnoxious self. She has the snobbiness of a true Mormon. Is the what she led up to saying that she was right. inbred. It wasn't you were complimenting her. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just, I, mm. But Mary's like, oh, I apologize for that because I definitely didn't mean to like offend you. I would never try to hurt you. And And Heather's like, Thank you. Like, Heather kind of is just like... But also not walking back the you look inbred. Yeah. Like, I still think you look inbred, but I'm sorry you were hurt by that. But, I mean, mean, fairness, it does make sense that Mary doesn't think it was a bad thing now that I think about it. (laughs) Considering the fact that she's married to her step-grandfather? Yeah. Um, But I think Heather was more just like, Mary apologized to me. Okay, I'll take it. Like, like, like that. it's a shitty apology, but I guess it's the best I'm going to get. So, yeah. And Mary says that she's proud of Heather, even through all their issues and stuff like that, of how she's making it for herself. So, yeah, that was interesting. We then go to Meredith's house and she's uh, about to record a podcast with Seth and she's on uh, the phone with her podcast producer, Antonio. I got this squad cast thing open. Do I hit join session? Like, this was so triggering. <laughs> like, this was the most triggering thing this week of, like, Meredith trying to get troubleshooting help to, to record this podcast. Well, and then the fact that they fucking record for however long and she wasn't recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> like, I, I literally stay up. Like, I have nightmares about recording, like, a two or a three hour podcast and not having recorded it all i i can't imagine actually doing that i've thank god through 62 episodes have not done that shit yeah but holy crap it's, i can't imagine it's bad meredith uh they're, they're talking about their wedding and stuff like that meredith and seth are and the topic of like a prenuptial agreement comes up and antonio the producer asks, like do you have a prenup and she's like talks about that she has a post but that she got it like 15 years in she goes you know, 
You were disconnected from me at that point in my time. In time, I was moving to Utah with three children. Where I, if you get a divorce, it's not favorable for women. I was worried if I would be stuck somewhere that I didn't know with my children, and that he would leave me. There was nothing financial. It was strictly about the children. And Seth seems like confused by this, which I was also like, you're conf- you did you not know that she got the agreement? Because like he would have had to sign it. So yeah, it's like why? I mean, I like. I Unless guess she was just like, here, sign all these papers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Seth. No, no, it's fine. That's just the light bill. <laughs> yeah. Seth then like gets emotional. He's like, I mean, I fe- so what it was is that I felt that it was the husband's responsibility to provide financially and nothing else. I wasn't there from an emotional support standpoint. And I apologize for that. And he like tears up and Meredith just goes, thank you, honey. And Seth goes. And I take responsibility for it because, and the marriage just goes, oh, or is this recording? And Seth, Seth drops the tears and goes, you did not just get, not get that shit. Like, it was almost as if he was saying like, that was some good shit that I did. Like fucking. (laughs) Yeah. I just, uh, I can't, I can't. And it was, a lot of people were also saying like, it was kind of weird. Like a scene in which they record a podcast. Yeah. Like, there's something meta and, like, odd about that that I don't A love. podcast which is still not out? Is it? I think it might be. I don't know. It was, it's odd. But at the very least, it took until the beginning of the season to To air. get out. They didn't, yeah. Because Mary's like, I have a busy schedule, so I'm, we're just banking episodes. And, you know, it's like, I guess. I mean, I guess it works for the type of show they do, but it's like... I um, mean, we couldn't really do that. It'd be nice if we could do that. That would be lovely. But, no. Um, Monica is at her house with her daughters. They're, hop- uh, they're helping her oldest daughter, Bree, get ready for her prom. They're making, like, signs and stuff like that. And then the fucking, like, horror movie scene of this as Monica's mom pulls in with Monica's car in the driveway. And it's just like... And the way Monica's like, lock the doors. Lock the doors on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you would have thought like the mafia had just rolled up. It was like it was the day after tomorrow or something. Where it was, it was something. Eld, she Monica goes, "What are you doing here?" And Eld goes, "I come bearing gifts." Monica goes, "This is not a gift. This is my fucking car." And uh, we'll get to. Well, yeah. So Monica tells her. I can't live with when you get you get upset or mad that you're going to come and take my, my car from me. And then Ellie goes, I'm just trying to get your attention. Then I'll stop. I won't do it anymore. Here's the, So Monica's mom is now saying on Twitter, like, I feel like every episode, it's like a Mo- I, Monica's mom update. Like, can we, uh, can we delete her account? <laughs> can we ban her? I mean, one thing that Elon could do, like, useful. Like, take her off of Twitter. But he's not going to. But so she's saying that the reason, she's saying on Twitter that the reason she took the car from Monica was because Monica had not been making payments on the car and had consistently not been making payments. And because the car is in her name, it's on her credit. So she took the, that's why she took the car back. So were you lying in the episode or were you lying on Twitter? Right. Because those are conflicting reasons. That's my, like, you would say it in the episode. Right. Especially when there's, to me, it's like it fits well with story because there's all this dialogue about Monica being poor. Right. I would have rolled up, jumped out of the car, and said, are you ready to start paying for it now? Yeah. Are you going to actually make your payments? 
I just because you're tanking my credit. Yeah, I I just don't trust Monica's mom like, at all. Like that's my big thing. I don't know if I fully trust Monica. There's all this like theory about like what's going to happen like towards the end of the season with Monica. And for some reason, no one on the cast fucks with her right now. Yeah. So like, I'm still intrigued by like where this is going to end up. I still stand Monica. Like I I love yeah, her. She's like, a messy queen. And if she is like this like kleptomaniac thief like crazy person like cool work <laughs> like I, honestly i don't think she did but if she stole lisa's wing ring <laughs> not her wing <laughs> oh my god give me my wing back <laughs> if she stole her ring and pawned that shit in palm springs work <laughs> <laughs> honestly Get it, work <laughs> she had insurance it's fine yeah ld goes i clearly have some skills to learn and monica Dead pans to the camera. She literally like, <laughs> full like, on office. You see this shit. <laughs> LD goes. When we had dinner, I was serious about therapy. We need to get back on track. We can be the ones to break the cycle. Monica lays out a confessional. We go to therapy. My mom, sh- my mother shows up because she says like we've been to therapy before for like years. Yeah. We go to therapy. My mother shows up. She's not herself. And unless you're going to go to therapy and be really brutally honest and show up as you as your messed up self, it doesn't fix anything. Yeah. And I believe that actually because like what we were seeing at the dinner where Monica like you know, you remember when like the waiter would come up and Monica's mom would just kind of like shift to like normalcy or when she talked to the plant. Yeah, or when she talked to the plant like. There, I could see her doing that with a therapist where she doesn't like be honest, like where she it's not an honesty. Like, you know, what is weird to me is that is that she is she seems wholly unaware of the cameras, then, yeah, right? Because you would think she would still give that facade with the cameras present. I guess it's hard to to consistently hold it maybe and also i think it's other it's another thing when monica's directly calling her out like like if when monica is like yeah because monica is great at like poking specific holes in her gaslighting right and so that can get you frustrated and have you spiral yeah i think i think that's possibly what it is monica then goes because monica's like i'll think about it i'll get back to you and then monica goes you better get to walking though because it's going to be a cold walk home and she's like Wait, what? And she's, Monica's like, yeah, you can. It's not that far of a walk. LD goes, you got to be fucking kidding me. And LD, did you see her saying on, on I think it was on Twitter that like production wouldn't give her a ride. <laughs> like, fucking <laughs> hilarious. I love that shit. It's so funny. Uh, we go to Heather's book signing uh, for an event. And then Lisa arrives behind to do like a sound check. Check one, two. Check. Check one, two. Like, why are you doing it? Like, like. I love that she really thinks that she's going to, like, you know, needs a warm-up for this. Because, like, come on. It's demented. It's terrible. I don't... Why does anyone placate that she she cannot sing? Yeah. Stop it. Um, Merit... I I thought this look on Meredith was really interesting. This, like, latex with, like, the the lace sleeves. It wasn't latex. No, man, not latex, but it was... It was like, um, like leather, like kind of like a leathery, like. So leather and lace, those go together. That's what, it was leather and lace. (laughs) I'm, I'm slow on fashion sometimes. I'm like, I'm like, that looks pretty. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I thought it was really, I thought it was really cute. I thought it was really nice because it was like the opposite of like the, 
the the silhouette dresses that do the darker on the outside right. to give you the hourglass. Instead, it gave the darker in the middle and the white lace on the side, mm-hmm. which really still gave that hourglass, but it was the opposite of what you expect. And I like the fact that it gave the structured shoulder. I love a fuck you shoulder, and Meredith does them so well. Yeah. Um, so I just, I loved this look. This was everything to me. Yeah. Lisa and Angie are basically ignoring each other. Like they're, they're sort of like distancing. Um, Monica goes to the bar. And so Heather, like, because it's like Lisa's host, like introducing her, she has like all Vita tequila stuff, like stocked at the bar. And Monica goes, do you guys have anything without Vita? <laughs> She's like, I'm not drinking that shit. <laughs> I don't blame her. Monica then says to her confessional, I feel like every time I turn around, I get like a jump scare because there she fucking is. And the, the editors do this like evil, creepy zoom on Lisa's just smiling at someone. <laughs> it is nightmare fuel. Um, Monica. talks. <laughs> That is like like that's the thing that you would have on like in like a horror movie on like one of those like jack in the boxes that are like evil. <laughs> you gotta you gotta burn like you you have to sac- like when you have to like cleanse her ghost or whatever you just pour diet coke over it. it there's something there, guys. Um, Monica is talking to Meredith about what happened at the Prism event, and that Lisa about Lisa basically telling her that her mother didn't want her. The movie is called Baby Gorgeous. And it's about a haunting by Lisa. Yes, it's <laughs> there's a story here. We'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. We'll sell it to a studio probably. Um, Monica tells Meredith about like Lisa saying that her mother didn't want her, and Monica's like, "I'm not gonna get let her bully me around and just not bite back." And then Meredith goes, "If you can try and give a response rather than a reaction, I think you'll have more success." And Monica goes, "Yeah, that sounds healthy, so I probably won't do that." <laughs> and- <laughs> That cracks Meredith up to do her <laughs> like laugh. Uh, Full on Waluigi. <laughs> Lisa, okay, so they start the event. Lisa gets up on the mic and goes, surprise. <laughs> I'm here to give you a rendition of my hit single, Away in a Manger. And she starts, Away in a Manger. And Monica just goes, no. Like loudly. <laughs> <laughs> not quietly at all <laughs> she goes is this for real and angie's kind of like oh my god like giggling lisa like spots this at least in confessional like who's saying you like odd angie you're snickering with monica as i'm supporting my friend <laughs> how dare I you i don't think i've ever seen someone on housewives get heckled by their fellow housewives this is like <laughs> This is my biggest opportunity. There's going to be producers lining up the door. Stop laughing. I can't. I can't. Lisa then introduces Heather, who comes out in, like, a choir robe or whatever. And then they have, like, the choir people, like, come out to sing, like, Amen or whatever. Including that really hot gay one from last season. Oh, I missed that. Um, And then then we were like, oh, God. Because Heather goes, can we give Lisa a beat? And we were like. No. No, no, she doesn't need a beat. No, oh no. No, yeah. if we were going to give her a beat, it was going to be for the drag thing in Palm Springs. Yeah, and they just keep going. And Lisa goes, away in SLC, in her new crib in her bed. This best-selling no. author laid down her sweet... I'm like, no! Save it for the sequel for Baby Gorgeous. That, that's... <laughs> White women rapping is just never... 
good, no. but like Lisa Barlow rapping was like a a a a nightmare that I didn't know I could have. It it was harrowing. <laughs> I believe that's the correct word for that harrowing. Oh, it's so terrible. But so the, like Lisa introduces Heather. Heather uh, like tells thanks everyone for coming, and then she reads like a portion of her book. Um, to sort of like, she like, this is like kind of like where I am in my journey. And she talks about this story from the book about her meeting this missionary on a plane who had like helped, was like nice to her and sort of like, sort of like revelation of that. And I will say this was a really like sweet, like full circle moment for Heather. It felt like it felt mm-hmm. big. Um, and she talks, you know, it really was like, it was nice to see that grounding for Heather that we loved like season one. Yeah. Like we re- like last season was terrible for Heather in many ways, and it was nice to get that back. And it it feels like Heather's the only sane one in this season. Yeah, like as much as we love Monica, she's not sane. No, of course not. She's right, but she's not sane. <laughs> like Heather's the only one. It it feels like she's learned the lessons she needed to learn from being on Housewives, and she's going to graduate to real life. It does feel like progression. This. Yeah, in, in a certain way. And she's, like, meeting with fans, and they're, like, crying and, like, sharing their stories about, like, their experience, like, with the church and stuff like that. And it felt, like, really, like, genuine and just, like, you know. Yeah. And she says, her professional, I feel connected to these people, and I feel like they are the community that has replaced my church. Good. And that and that was nice. And I, and I also, as much as, like, we shade Lisa Barlow, I also thought the moment with her and Heather was really genuine afterwards where they're talking after the event sort of like discussing things and like Lisa talks about how she feels like she's seen a new side to Heather and you know that there's something there to build a relationship off of and Heather says like you know I just want people I just want to be validated that like the rules exist for some people and not others like what I was telling you about Lisa and like Lisa goes like look if that's what you need like yeah you're validated you're right like you know there's you know parts of like this city that like really like hamp down on people and like are judgmental and like you know i if you need me to like sort of acknowledge that i'll acknowledge that and i was like that's big on lisa i feel i mean it, it it's literally the bare minimum <laughs> sure it was a low bar she cleared it but it was a low bar yeah like i just feel like she, it was it was acknowledge that people have experiences that are not the same as your own yeah it was more conscious of heather's feelings than i've ever seen of lisa that's fair so I'll give her that. <laughs> um, Monica is talking with Angie and Meredith. And Monica is like, have you guys talked at all? And Angie and Meredith both in use and go, no. <laughs> no. Nah, fuck that bitch. <laughs> Angie then goes, I'm not going to make a big deal, but I know that you were making threats. As a mother, I was hurt that you were threatening my family. And Meredith goes, I was not threatening your family. Angie says, you said it. You said I could ruin their family. And Meredith goes, but I'm not going to. That's a big difference. And it actually is a big difference. And I can almost guarantee you Whitney relayed that wrong. Sure. But I will say, saying you have secrets on somebody and saying that you could, but I'm not going to release them is still a veiled threat. Sure. It's different. I'll say this. With the conversation with Whitney at the airport off camera, Meredith gets some credence. The problem is more the conversation with Lisa at the restaurant 
outside the restaurant, the rumors and nasty. Uh You want me to go there with her husband? That is more incriminating because you're saying it on camera. Right. And there's more of like, it's harder to defend at that point. Yes. Angie goes, you don't have the power to ruin my family, even with words. And Mary just goes, okay, Angie. Yeah, I don't. You're right. I don't. Like, it was very, like, sort of, like, Mary's just being like, this is stupid. Like, yeah. I love that. I saw a lot of people be like, what are they, what are they even fighting about anymore? Like, it's, I don't even understand why they have issues. They're not. They don't. Angie goes, why does it have to be, like, passive aggressive? I'm telling you how it made me feel. And Mary goes, and I am sorry that it hurt your feelings and that I upset you. And Monica's like, that's more than I've gotten from Lisa Barlow. So, you know. I'll take it. <laughs> and they're like, Mary's like, I'm going to head out and says, bye. And then Angie goes, thank you for not running away this time. And you were like, oh, but don't ruin it. Like, <laughs> you had such a nice ish moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also see Heather at the, her event asking her daughters that like, you know, I'm thinking of writing a second book. Is that okay? Um, I want to con- be right. conscious of you guys because of the bullying that you guys have received. And, and her daughter, Georgia, goes, I think that, you know, as long as it's done out of healing and that it's not out of a place of, like, getting back at them, then I think it's fine. And that's why, like, you can only control you right. at the end of the day. Bigots are going to be bigots and, like, right. you know, terrible fucking people. Like, I, I, I love Heather's relationship. I feel like we talked about it in past episodes. I actually love her relationship with her daughters. Yeah. I think it was, it was, it was... Very respectful and nice to see Yeah. at the end of the day. We then see Lisa uh, having uh, Angie over over to the house. Lisa goes, do you want a croissant? I'm always eating. <laughs> like, it, just the little things Lisa says just, like, make me laugh for some reason. Um, they also, they sit down and Angie and Lisa are talking about how they both kind of needed a break. Angie's like, I think you feel like that I was taking her side. And Lisa goes, wait, wait, I'm confused right now. I'm not mad about you taking her side. <laughs> like her Okay, liar. But what are you going to say? <laughs> yeah. But also why is it confusing? Like Lisa, this is like the third person that makes that that has told you it feels like you're mad that I'm taking Monica's side. Like Whitney has said it to you, now Angie has said it to you. And now why is it confusing? At this point, you calling it confusing has me questioning your sanity. Yeah. You tell me you don't like Monica and want a relationship with her. What is it all about then? The optics don't match the conversation. And then Angie literally has to tell Lisa, yeah, I did. I did not like Monica and I had my issues with her. We did have a sit down uh, after Greek Easter and we hashed it out. Things left good with us. And at this point, I'm trying to move forward with her. And Lisa goes, see, I didn't know any of this. But why is it any of your business? But also like... But, uh, I mean, yes, it's technically none of her business. But also, like, you probably wouldn't have known about it if you would have let Angie talk in the last episode. Yeah. <laughs> like, if you would have shut the fuck up for five seconds, she would have told you, me and Angie, me and Monica talked and we worked it out. Also, clearly, if you see that after having had that conversation with Angie, what is the first thing that you're, like... It, just you as Amen. What is the first thing you would then ask yeah. Angie? Hey, are you guys better? Hey, what changed? Yeah. Hey, did you have a conversation? Are you guys better? Like there are a list of things to ask. None of which are attacking her from across the room. Yeah. 
Angie goes, and I, I was kind of disappointed with Angie in this conversation. She goes, I'll take full responsibility. I probably have been wishy-washy at times. And part of why is maybe that I'm afraid to be clear. And Lisa goes, why would you be afraid to be clear? <laughs> Angie goes, well, I mean, part of it was like when you found out that I was like painting birdhouses with Heather. I mean, you were upset, Lisa. <laughs> you were really mad. <laughs> like, like you think like. Yeah. Uh, and then as she says this, Lisa flips her hair as Angie's talking and the dong that they play in the, like it was the most aggressive hair flip I have ever seen in my fucking life. It's yeah, it's a lot. Lisa goes, your insecurities and in telling me stuff is not my problem. And then like, it was one thing it was, I was telling you, it's, it's kind of like the Heather DeBro thing of like, you know, th- this is a you problem, not a me problem thing. It starts that way, right? Kind of. Yeah, but, but she was wrong. Right. But then Lisa in her confessional goes, it is such a fucking cop-out to say that I'm the reason you're not telling me something. You're the reason you're not telling me something. You're weak, you're afraid, and you're a liar. It's like, why are, this, why are you so aggressive about this? I, I don't. I don't get it. Lisa goes, how do you think it feels to me to be, you know, my friends telling me that they're hiding things? I'm transparent. I'm an open book. That's on you for not being honest. And then Angie goes, I mean, like, when I tried to talk to you at the bar, you, like, pulled away from me and said, don't touch me. Like, like, how, like, she's bringing examples of just, like, how this is, like, so, like, not a place in which I could have been, like, confiding in you. And Lisa just came in, like, it's a you problem. No, no, it's not on me. Sorry. Oh, Lord. She goes, because I don't feel like you're being honest with me, Ange. Like, I'm never mad at you. I'm still healing from some things, and it's triggering to me. How you feel about not telling me things isn't me. And Angie goes, it's me. I I get it. And I was like, Angie, don't capitulate. And like, I think she's just tired of fighting is what it is. Is she's Lisa will wear you out. Yeah. It's it's like it's. It's it's attrition. Like, yeah. She will drag you down to her level and then beat you with experience. Yeah. Lisa goes, there's never a doubt in my mind that you're not my friend. You can do things with other people. I'm not five. I don't think that way. <laughs> I think you but do. But you do. I think you but do, But you do, Lisa. You do. Oh, God. This is like... It this was the uh, a, the spiral of Lisa Barlow these last two episodes and it's been interesting. It's gonna continue, I'm sure. Yeah, um, let's head into uh, Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for this week. This fucking episode, my god, I maybe one of the most iconic moments in a while on Beverly Hills. We'll get to it like l- later in the episode. Um, but they're coming back from their uh, or well, not sorry, it's the. the the second, second half of the of, Vegas trip. Yeah, they're com- they're just had that conversation with Garcelle and Dorit and stuff like that. So they're kind of decompressing. They're getting ready. Dorit's FaceTiming PK, uh, and he asked about like how Magic Mike went. Dorit <laughs> Dorit Lee goes, "Where do I begin, bubblish? It's like <laughs> bubblish." I no, stop it. It's not. That's not cute. She tells uh, PK about like the the Sutton stuff. PK goes, "You should have told her to go and see Mary Poppins down the road," like. It's, we'll get to it. I'm, 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 I'm over like shitting on Sutton from last week. Sutton, what Sutton did was wrong and not the best. But see, I don't even think it was that bad. She literally walked out of the situation that she was uncomfortable with. Yeah. That would have been fine if she were not followed and it were, were not made a big deal by everyone else. Yeah. 
She did not demand anyone leave. She did not demand that anyone come and sit out there with her. She did not demand to talk about it. She went to the bathroom. Right. And was followed. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm. I understand why Garcelle followed her. If I were in Garcelle's shoes, I would have also followed her to check on her. Yeah. And then I would have come back. Yeah. And I just think, like, everything that transpires this episode, I, I, I have to advocate for Sutton. Because, like, you know, like, you know, yeah, we'll get to it. Um, Doree asked about, because I guess PK had dinner with Mauricio. Um, and we see, like, clips from it. PK is telling Mauricio, like, you're quite soft. You you don't really get, you know, you don't really want to fight ever. And Mauricio goes, I mean, I have no interest in fighting. Like, as far as I'm concerned, my wife is always right. And PK goes, but she can't always be right, Mo. And, and PK is like, to me, I'm like, okay, but PK, is Dorit ever right in your mind, first yeah. off? But it's like, I, I do find it interesting that that Mauricio, and I do actually think this is probably the case that he is kind of like, yeah, you're right, Kyle. Like, she, he, he does have that vibe about him in certain ways. Yeah. Like, and Kyle can be very intense t- at times where she's kind of... Much like Lisa Barlow, she will wear you down. Yeah, I can see that. Um, they're all kind of going out about town uh, with each other. Erica and Crystal um, go out to lunch. Um, they talk about, like, Sutton and, and everything that happened. Crystal goes... I think she would have a good time if she was just called up first, but sometimes she just goes off the deep end and it's really hard to come back. And this was like the um, five words we heard from Crystal this episode, by the way, like she's really non-existent like this, this season. Don't, don't pull a, a Jeff Lewis, a Jeff Lewis. <laughs> no, it's, it's not that bad, but also Crystal can call me a cocksucker. Cause it's kind of true. Um, but like, she, she's not there. Like she just genuinely is not there. Like it's it's yeah. It's really it's, which is weird because this is her birthday weekend. Yeah, she. I think she said something about she's going to be more prominent in the second half of the season. But okay, I'm. I mean, maybe I don't know because I I don't know if I can trust it. Um, we then see uh, Garcelle and Sutton go on a gondola ride. Garcelle has ordered this like, gondola ride across, like in the river walk or whatever. This uh, man is angling for every record deal out there. Yeah. It, it was so, he was like, Bet realize whether it's Beverly Hills, this is my moment. Uh, his name's Luca. Uh, Garcelle tells Sutton, like, yeah, I'm just, you know, feeling really unsettled by like earlier. Like I said to them in the past, and just, and Luca goes, Oh my God. And, and Garcelle's like, I mean, I didn't know that they sing. <laughs> that wasn't my plan. Anyway, so like I said to them, it was like, this, this can't be real. This can't be real. It's, yeah. Like the producer had to slip him some money at the very Had to. This man, jeez. Um, and we then also see Dorit and Kyle, uh, getting lunch together at this point. Um, Dorit asked Kyle, do you think this is this not drinking and distancing yourself was to get control? Cause you had the karma, the, the, the karma, the trauma with your sister. And Kyle goes, I mean, I feel like you, I have to be really clear about everything, you know, right now. Um, so, so this gets discussed in also with people being like, cause and it has been discussed throughout where like Dorit's also talked about like sort of her thoughts and like the working out all the time. Dorit or Sutton's kind of more explicit in the confessional. She goes, you're no longer drinking. You got five tattoos. You're working out. Who works out anymore? 
seems to me like ding, 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 midlife crisis, which like. If that's how we read it, too. I mean, like Sutton may be harsh in saying that, but she's not wrong, I feel. And like also the people being like, well, you know, Sutton's not acting like a friend to Kyle can save it because we've already laid that out on this podcast. Well, that why Sutton is is beyond at the point where like she can, you know abandon Kyle and I feel like she's actually going to which I'm happy about yeah um and then you kind of were off put with Garcelle's confessional because Garcelle goes I thought she was just taking a break she really is doing this whole like mocktail thing I I miss the old Kyle not the splits just Kyle I just and I I get what Garcelle means I get it too and I I will give her grace in that I assume this was cut in a weird way but I always feel that there's an ick to mourning the loss of your drunk friend who is now sober yeah. and putting it on them drinking because there's at, at that point there is pressure to be drunk you. Right. And the only way you can be drunk you is to be drunk. So therefore you are pressuring people to drink. And you don't know what Bethany Kyle, Frankel, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> no, you don't know what Kyle is going through, right? You know her sister is an alcoholic. Right. And so I just, I would have been very kid gloves with this. Like you. It's could, a hard thing to, comp- it's a hard thing to like broach the issue of. Like, here's the thing. If. Kyle has stopped drinking in order to regain control over herself and her life. Fabulous. If she does it because she doesn't like the person she is when she's drinking. Fabulous. I honestly don't know of any reason for her to stop drinking that I'm not in support of. Yeah. So, like, maybe lay off of this thing. Especially when it happens multiple times this episode. It's much much better to be like, hey, I think you're not talking about your emotions. And, right. And, and, you're, and I, would, I think it's much better for you to talk to someone. If she stopped drinking because when she drinks, she tends to talk about her emotions more than she is comfortable doing, that's maybe a problem. Yeah. But not a problem that drinking fix, right. fixes. Like there's a different avenue. So it's just like... I. There's no reason to act like this isn't a good thing. Right. Um, Kyle uh, is like talking about like, cause Dory's asking more about like her and Mauricio. And Kyle's like, I think like I expected more from him with what I was going through. Um, also there's a lot of business events where like I have to be a wife and like, I don't always want to do that. And she clarifies more in her confessional. She goes, Mo's in sales. And you know, a big part of that is putting yourself out there. And I don't want to always do that anymore. Like, sometimes I want to be at home in a bed reading a book and not, like, going out. And I think you were saying it that it was like, okay, we kind of got some, like, real shit now. Like, it. This conversation with Dorit felt like Kyle actually showed up. Yeah. Like, she was actually, oh, that's a person. Right. That's not a character. That's not a script you're reading off a page. That's Kyle. Yeah. We're finally getting Kyle. And I wondered, like, I think the the sort of general, like, what she's saying is correct, is probably how she feels here. And But when she was saying it, I was telling you this. I was wondering if there was, like, a subconscious element of it where it's, like, she's, like, well, he's doing, like, business in, he's, like, sort of, like, 
being a businessman and, and networking and sort of all that stuff. I wonder if part of it was him getting the reality show on Netflix. Possibly. Because I, and I don't know if it's, I, it could be a time, like, like a spending time with each other thing. I don't know if it's necessarily a jealousy thing. Like, you know, right. like, well, now you're all an equal star now. But I wonder if that plays a role because he would have had to have like networked when he was in the agency for years beforehand. Right. So I, I, I was like, wait, but like, what's different? And I feel like that's yeah. the key is the, the key to what's different. Like it, it's one thing to be married to a famous real estate agent. It's another thing to be married to a real estate agent who has their own show and you get to go to a premiere party. That's not your premiere party Yeah, to where you're not the focus of the attention. And she's so used to that. And I think maybe going into that environment either made her jealous or made her realize she didn't want to be the center of attention anymore, Mm -hmm. but also didn't like the way that it felt being in that environment and not the center of attention. Right. So, I mean, there's some stuff going on here. There's some real shit going on here. I wish she'd let us into it. And I think maybe she is a little bit here, but... I just, I don't understand people who get on reality television and then don't show us the reality. Like, that's the whole point. We want to see the human that is inside all of the opulence, right? And I want to be in a place where I feel bad for Kyle. Right. Like, like innocent, like, I should have felt really bad when this news came out that they were separating. Because they have been such an integral couple in the Bravo-verse and all that stuff. And it was just the factors of a lot of other things that where I couldn't like. Well, and it kept, came in rapid succession with the whole Scandal thing and the um, uh, Drew and uh, Ralph filing for divorce. Right. And all of that shit came out at once. Yeah. So it was just like we were inundated with Bravo news. And it's just like, I'm tired. Yeah. Um, we do see that because uh, they get back in the, to the uh, hotel as they're getting ready for the night. But Garcelle says that mentions that her and Sutton did meet uh, Oliver for lunch. And we, they bring up that he made out with Raquel on Vanderpump Rules. They show the clip of it. Uh, and Garcelle is like, you know, people didn't really understand that he was separated. So he did get a lot of backlash. I don't want to delve in too much into it because I don't like. It's a he should, she said at this point on whether they were separated or not. I believe that Garcelle believes her son. And, and I don't, and also it's not on Garcelle. Right. It's on her son. Right. And any mother would support her son, at least in the public. We don't know how many times she's chewed his ass out behind the scenes. Yeah. So like trust that she's being a good mom and leave her the fuck alone. Yeah. They all get ready to go out for a, like, country night. Um, so they're all in sort of their, like, country wear. Some of these outfits. Some of these looks. We said it at the time when um, the photos came out from them going to this event. But Kyle in this look. And we were like, holy shit, that is fucking rodeo from Rock of Love. <laughs> like, Literally. Like, like I, oh, it, I, need, I, I think I've said it before. I want to do, like, a Flavor of Love, Rock of Love binge review again like cause that'll be once you invite uh, enough of your friends to listen to us listeners 
you, you got to get enough of your friends into us so that we can justify having a Patreon. You know you want it. <laughs> you know you know you want our thoughts on that shit. That that mess. Um, I liked uh, Erica's denim, like the denim on. Denim. I loved that. That was so cute. I actually thought it was really good. Crystal's look was interesting. <laughs> what the hell was Crystal? Okay, so Crystal's wearing like these knee high boots that are like kind of slouchy boots a little bit, but not yeah. quite, not fully slouchy, and then like. Blue Daisy Dukes under a blazer that is just a black blazer, but has these rhinestone stars on them. Or were they sequins? I think they were sequins. It was like a thrift store threw up on her. I think my biggest issue was the blazer. Like, I think there was something she was going for, like, a sort of a like, younger, like, almost like Jessica Simpson-y vibe. But it wasn't giving that. It was giving Marianne from Gilligan's Island <laughs> yeah, stole yeah, yeah. Ginger's jacket and boots. Didn't she say something about, like, I tried to Google, like, Asian cowgirl looks or whatever, and they were, like, all, like... That's a bad idea. Yeah. Like, also, what does... What does you being Asian have to do with a cowboy or cowgirl look? Yeah. Those are separate things. You could have just put a cute cowgirl look together and it would have been cute on you. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I didn't know how to take Garcelle's pants. You liked them more than I did. I liked them in that they were like that... That... um gaudy like <laughs> southern karen kind of vibe this you like this these are the words of something you liked i like it because it's bad <laughs> does that make sense no <laughs> i i recognize it and there's something like there's something there's a nostalgia very, there's something very texas and dallas about it yeah i want my problem was the fringe on the sides was way too big i needed i i wish she would have just gotten rid of the fringe and it would just be like a black stripe fine like it it just made it, it the proportions were weird and it, but there was like all these like big metal like they looked like you know like when you walk into a southern um like mainly Christ, mainly Texas Christian woman's house, and she's got an entire wall of crosses. <laughs> yes, yes, it yes, looked yes. like that on her pants. Oh God, this isn't <laughs> helping. <laughs> it was bad in the best way. Uh, I loved it. Also, nothing <laughs> dressed as these like cowgirls, and they go to eat at this like really like formal restaurant, like. Like, and it, I guess it was like a steakhouse, but it was like girls, like you're in like costumes, basically. Like, what are we doing? Um, Kyle orders like this, like passion fruit mocktail and Garcelle leans over to her and goes, how long is this going to go on? This Which, is the third time. Yeah. It's like, okay. Um, they then put Garcelle then pulls out like another card game, which I was like two card games at dinner in a row. Like this is like, I mean, I'm fine with it, but like also like maybe don't make the card game aspect of it the i don't know like if you can disguise using the card game yeah just ask random questions. questions like like because you know it's just a producer on a side writing things on like blank sheets of paper right uh, yeah that's what's happening <laughs> um crystal asked uh if monogamy is natural for humans and erica goes no we're all mammals 
when you look at female lionesses, they will pick out young males that have strong bloodlines. And then Dorit doing her like impression of Erica in the confessional, you're like, they have strong bloodlines. Erica, what are you talking about? You married the oldest lion in the pack. I will say that her impression of Erica was spot on. It's really good. Like Dorit needs to do it more often. Well, because she does every uh, accent. She usually does them all at once, but at this point, it was nice to know that she could isolate one accent. Yeah. Kyle then goes, I mean, I think it's, like, individual, too. Like, I'm sure it's probably something people have to, like, suppress, like, monogamy. And that was, like, telling. Like, that was, like, so, like, well, like. I love, Kyle always does that with these. Like, the wink, wink. Uh Uh-huh. Garcelle goes, I have a question for the married ladies. If you found out there was infidelity one time, is one time enough to let it go? Kyle's like, I don't know if I could do that. And then Kyle, like, lays out in the confessional, like, I mean, there have been a lot of rumors, like, over the years. And we see, like, the whole, like, LVP bringing up in the kitchen and sort of, like, the magazine stuff and all that also, stuff. Also, LVP looked great in that flashback. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bitch. I mean, that was close to 10 years ago. Yeah. So... Um, and then Garcelle mentions again, like the stuff about her ex and how she like sent that big email out to, you know, all of his like friends and family, like when he cheated on, and I didn't realize he was cheating on her for five years. Holy. That's a committed, like, like, here's the thing. Like, if you don't leave in that period, like, fuck you. Like, like, I feel like to answer the initial question, there is no yes or no to that it is very much a individual situation what is happening what has been done what how long has it happened who was it with like there's so many factors that go into that decision you can't just say yeah one time's enough i'll just leave like that you can't just blanket that like it's a very nuanced situation yeah i agree um dorit asked at what point does money stop making people happier? And have you reached it? And Erica just goes, no. <laughs> and, Erica, you reached it. You just can't reach it currently. Yeah. Erica, and this was interesting. So Erica kind of lays out sort of the stuff that she's going through. She's like, you know, when you don't fear the next bill, the last few years, I went from having a lot to having nothing. I have no problem downsizing, but it does make me nervous. And I can understand. Here's the thing. I think Erica is in a very tough position financially with like the lawsuits and sort of all the stuff coming her way when she's saying like the money coming in is like immediately going out i can buy that to a certain extent also it's expensive as fuck to live in beverly hills yeah i just think i i understand the people who get like eye roll when she's like i went from having a lot to having nothing I'm like, I understand when you say, like, I have nothing where people are like, really? But like. Well, but nobody that says I have nothing means I have nothing. Sure. Like, so if you're going to start, to me, if you're going to start picking on someone's definition of nothing, like you at that point, no one gets to complain. No one in the world gets to complain. Why are we doing oppression Olympics? Like that. All that that serves to do is make it to where one person in the world gets to complain about anything ever and no one else ever gets to complain because I guarantee you there's one person that has it worse than everyone else. Yeah. And so at that point, just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Like let people have their thing. She is going through something difficult and yeah, 
going from where we are up to where she is would be a big step up for us. But coming down to where she is from where she was, yeah, I can definitely guarantee you she feels that belt tightening. Yeah. Like, of course she does. She's used to a certain lifestyle and also not having to budget anything ever. Yeah. So now she has to start looking at how much money is coming in and how much is going out and realizing that she has to cut some things and she can't live the way that she used to. And so there's a mourning period. So stop being bitches, people on Twitter. Sure. <laughs> Use that. <laughs> um, but no. So and, and but I thought it was interesting. She also says at one point, like, you know, I would have loved to have like gone shopping today and say, like, I really love this purse like the old days. And that's OK. Because now when I go and buy something, it's mine and I've earned it. And I felt it was so intriguing, her saying, like, because now I can buy it myself, it's mine. Right. And I, because of all the stuff with, like, the earrings and, like, all that. And I was like, I wonder if she can, like, I don't know. I wonder if she can, like, hear some of the critique and while still push back on it in the ways which she should push back on certain things. like kind of understand it to certain respects because I do think I I've said it before. I never faulted her for being with Tom for in, in terms of their like origin story where right. like, you know, she was, you know, he a her up out of a diner. Yeah. He basically pretty woman her to a certain extent. I mean, yeah, not in the, not in the whole like prostitute thing, but like, you know, I mean, Julia Roberts was probably making more money than her at that point. Right. Waitressing at a diner does not bring in a lot of money. Right. But my point being, like, I never faulted her for, like, protecting herself with some, by marrying somebody with a lot of fucking money like that. Right. I think it's a freedom of a woman to be able to do that. I think they need to be smart about it, like, obviously. But, like, I think I don't fault them. Like, so I do hope that maybe she can, like, reevaluate her life in the sense of that she now has this ability to sort of make something more of herself mm -hmm. and sort of feel in a way in which she she is actually doing it and is not having someone else do it for her right uh, to me it's more about about being able to be in a place that no one can touch she felt because she has felt i think rightfully so under attack for a lot of years um and has felt people coming for her for so long and telling her she doesn't deserve to have what she has, and she right. doesn't deserve to have this, or doesn't deserve to have that, or she should give this up or that up, or what have you. And she's like, I did nothing wrong. Whether you believe that or not, that is what she's saying. She's saying, I did nothing wrong. I'm not the guilty party here, yet I'm the one paying, while he's just sitting over there in some assisted living place where he doesn't really have to feel the ramifications of this. I'm the one feeling the ramifications. I'm the one whose life has changed. He's not in a mental state where he knows what's happening. Yeah. I am. I feel that. So now when I go buy something with the money that I earned, I know that nothing he did can touch that. This item, this thing is a symbol of my freedom from him. Right. Which is really what I think she was getting at. No, I yeah, and I got it, and I and I thought it was, I love that Garcelle kind of got it too. She tells Erica like, you know, it's the first time I've really heard you say this, and Erica's like, well, I had to be on the defensive for so long because I was attacked, 
And then she goes, a lot of people, I think, almost wanted it to be true. And I'm like... Cut to Crystal. Well, I think they cut to Sutton. They cut to, they cut to both of them. And I'm like, but I don't think that's true. And Yeah, it, I don't think it is either, but it's like, I get why she felt that way. Yeah. Um, and then they, the, the, they have the people from like Michael Jackson live or whatever, like come and give Crystal a cake or whatever and like celebrate it. Again, it was like two extra seconds that Crystal was on screen. Like, <laughs> um, they then go to this place, Gillies, which is like a country bar where they can like bull ride and all that stuff. Crystal and her girlfriend going, the music, the atmosphere, the people, the whiteness. We're not in <laughs> Beverly Hills. <laughs> I cackled. Um, Kyle rides and she does a good time. Sutton's like really timid, like because she they, they have the person like lift the women like like almost like cradle them to put them on the bowl like all sexily. And Sutton's like, no, I'll just be gentle and I'll <laughs> you, you gotta be nice to me. Be kind. No, I'm I'm serious about that. Be do kind. not do not go fast. <laughs> do not. <laughs> Erica in her conversation goes, if Sutton's ball riding skills are anything like her dick riding skills, no wonder she's not getting a second date. <laughs> Sutton is not the kind of person to be doing that on the first date anyway. Yeah. You got to earn that pussy. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so then. But he, She'll so, give you the pussy on the on the sweater, but not the pussy in her pants. There you go. Um, so then the, we get to the next day and they're all packing up to leave. Right. And I was like, oh, shit. So, like, I was so, like, the last couple episodes, we were like, I'm really hopeful for Erica. I think she's going to, like, have a really great, like, turnaround season. They're they're waiting in the lobby by the elevators. Or not in the lobby, but in their, like, top floor uh-huh. by the elevators. And then the elevators open, and it's Erica's assistant, Mikey, and uh, his partner, Davis, who was in the Magic Mike show that right. uh, Erica talked about. And they're like, oh, my God, hi. And then Erica goes, Sutton, this is your chance to apologize to my friend who you said was over the top and that the show was shitty. And Ugh. and Sutton goes, I did not say the show was shitty at all. Don't put words in my mouth. I said the dancers were amazing. It was just the it was just a spread eagle. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. And like they were like, like, oh, it's, I mean, maybe you can enjoy it next time, whatever. Like it was, and Sutton's like, I'm just so sorry again. Like she's constantly apologizing to these guys. I will say he said, it does get real artsy at the end. And yeah. I was like, bruh. It's magic, Mike. It's magic, Mike's. I mean, I know it's not tallywhackers, but it ain't far off. Yeah. They, they close the, the elevator doors close and they go down and Sutton just turns to Erica and goes, really? You putting words in my mouth? I never said the show was shitty. And Erica goes, doesn't matter. You didn't like the show. And I was like, Erica can like just something about Erica's tone here. Was, it was, it, yeah. I, I don't blame Sutton for thinking this was a setup. No, I don't either. I now looking back on it, it kind of feels like it. Right. Because it what like also where, what floor were her assistant and husband on to where they stopped on their floor and then went all the way back down again. Well, there's floors above them, I'm sure. Right, but to stop on their floor. I mean, I guess if they were going... Well, they had the button pushed already. Yeah, it just... Something felt odd. Yeah. Something just didn't seem right. You know that meme of the... (laughs) Something in the milk ain't clean. Yeah. Um, And then it it really cast as if it was intentional because Erica in her conference goes, the Lenten thing is still in effect. God gave me the pass to confront Sutton. God shined upon me that day. Open the door, and there he was. You cannot time that. He said, you know what, Erica? After the last two years, she treated you so shitty. 
here's your moment. And I said, thanks, God. I'm taking it. And I was like, uh, they, they, like it's like it feels really fucking coordinated at that point. Like I just don't know if you can coordinate that to that level. But and also like for ever since like the stuff with Erica and Sutton had been happening like seasons past, Erica's like one day, one day I'm gonna get you back. One, like she kept emphasizing that like throughout like the last couple seasons, to where I just it just gave me the ick. And I don't think it was nice to Sutton. And I do think Sutton was like, while what Sutton did may have been wrong, she was genuinely apologetic afterwards. I do genuinely. No, I agree. I don't think she's being malicious in that. I still don't agree that what she did was wrong. Sure. They all get in the Sprinter van and Sutton goes, I got to say, Erica, to purposely embarrass me, it's kind of mean. And Erica goes, we were having a great time. And I heard that you weren't and and that you left. Erica says, you made it a big deal. And Sutton goes, it turned into a big deal that more people that came out and Erica goes, do you have to take it to the point where you're getting so heated in the lobby? And Sutton goes, we've seen you get heated so many times, Erica, <laughs> which is yeah. like, which is so, and also Kyle later, like I would say like, is also not one to talk in terms of that. Dorit then asked Sutton, like, you know, in retrospect, you know, would you have, you know, come back just so that Garcelle and Kyle could like enjoy the show? And Sutton goes, why, why can't I just sit in the lobby when I wasn't happy? And Kyle, Kyle diffusing the situation goes, we didn't leave because you seemed unhinged. And here's, this is where I get frustrated with Kyle. And this is where, like, why I don't think Kyle's a friend. Because it's like, and, and I get not everyone has the language to diffuse things. And I get Sutton's, a, like, a lot of people I've seen, it's like, Sutton's a lot. Sutton makes things a big deal. I would find it a hard time being Sutton's friend. I understand that to a certain extent, but the solution to that is to not tell this person and embarrass them to this group of people by saying you're unhinged. Yeah. That doesn't fix anything. Where is the moment where, where Kyle is just like, you just seem really upset. And I, and I want to hear like, like, like there's no moment to like privately confide in this person to show like, Hey, I'm, I'm worried about you. Right. And it's just like, you're embarrassing and you're like unhinged. You're embarrassing all of us. And to me, like that just does, that just makes a self-conscious person, which I think Sutton is, feel even more self-conscious. Well, and I think it also like, it also does the job of pushing this narrative, right? That Sutton is a problem. Sutton is the, like, did y'all just decide this is a Sutton takedown season? Is that what happened? I mean, they tried it last year, in fairness. They're like, let's it do didn't it again. Work. Yeah. And I, and I think there's been, like, I've, the dialogue on Sutton Online has been kind of interesting and sort of, like, back and forth. But, again, I, I don't take entertainment in, like, I don't think Sutton's this, like, intensely malicious person. I just do not get that vibe. I think she has issues, and I think she doesn't handle her emotions well, I th- I saw a lot of people being like, I think she might be neurodivergent, and like, of course, I'm sure she is. Ding, 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 tism watch. Yeah, I'm sure she's on the spectrum, but that's like neither here nor there. Like, if she's upset about something, how about we treat her like a human? Right. How about instead of just assigning something to her, we ask her how she's feeling. We ask her why she's upset and then take her at face value when she tells you that this is why she's upset go okay how would you like to proceed do you want us to sit with you no you'd like us to go back in and enjoy the rest of the show 
fabulous. Um, yeah, I think there's a bar over there if you want to go grab a drink while we're, while you're waiting for us, and then go back in the fucking show. Yeah, and watch the dick swing. <laughs> like I don't get why why they decided they needed to sit out there and torture that woman. Yeah, Sutton uh, is like, I'm not going to talk about this ad nauseum. And Erica goes, why? Because you're cornered. Sutton goes, oh, me being cornered by you all again? I'm so used to it. Like, like <laughs> Sutton, I thought, handled herself mostly actually very well here and just like not backing down from them. She does break down a little bit. She goes, I am sorry. I ruined it for all of you and the dancers. I feel terribly about it. And and you could, I feel like she just fe- like feels like really sad about it. And then Dorit goes, do you mean that? <laughs> and she goes, of course I mean it. Keep, keep coming on. Like, fuck. Like, what do you mean? Of course. Do you mean it? <laughs> like, Dorit trips me out sometimes. Um, I will say, I don't know how this then transitions to like Garcelle and Dorit. Uh, Garcelle says like, I wish you would have gone after her because it always feels like I have to or whatever. Um, and then Dorit and Garcelle then get into it. She goes, Dorit goes, I would have lacked for you to say Sutton. You're overreacting. And Garcelle goes, you don't know what I said to her. You weren't there. I said all those things. She was at a 10. And, and Dorit goes, but could you take her from a 10 to a 2? And Garcelle goes, I'm not her therapist. I'm her friend. I also didn't think she was at a 10. I thought she was like at a 7 or an 8. Sure. But that's besides it. Like, Garcelle's like, like, what is this like, Garcelle, you need to fix it nonsense. Like, I, I just like. Uh, and then Sutton goes, I am not apologizing again. I am sorry for being unhinged. I'm done with this conversation. And then like, is quiet. And Dorit goes, you good, Erica? And goes, you good? <laughs> and to Sutton and, Dur- and Garcelle goes, I mean, Dorit. <laughs> like, come on. Like, <laughs> just leave it alone. Just let it die. Dorit goes, I'm trying to end the conversation. And Sutton goes, Dorit, honestly. You know, I love the word zip it with you. <laughs> so, uh, she really, I mean, she really needs to tell her to let the mouse go at that point. <laughs> yeah, literally. And then it's just quiet in the Sprinter van as they get on the private jet to then head back home. We get back to Beverly Hills. Um, they keep, they do this. Uh, I was so annoyed by this to a certain extent. Um, I get, I mean, there's a theory about what happens in that last scene, which I think is valid to that last scene but they do this long extended shot of like Sutton pouring herself a drink like 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 vodka and like uh, her grapefruit juice my, my ocean spray um and, she, and it's like 1 p.m i'm like 1 p.m's fine to have a drink i like i i didn't, like brunch cocktails don't exist yeah it's like so what like i saw so many people like and and could Sutton have been drunk in that last scene? Possibly. I think it makes it funnier, um, <laughs> to be honest. But, like, it doesn't... I, the amount of people that I saw, like, well, I guess Teddy was right. No, first off. And second off, I actually think with what happened in that last scene, if Sutton actually was a little tipsy, to me, it only validates that the place that Teddy got that from was Kyle. Mm-hmm. And, again... Proves that Kyle is not a good fucking friend. Also, it proves that these women pushed her there. Like, she's literally so upset from a trip that was supposed to be fun and relaxing. She's pushed to the point 
where she literally is day drinking the next day. Yeah, it's like she's like depressed. Like she's depressed enough to where she's drinking alcohol. I don't get the people being like, wow, what an alky. Like it's like that's like when you're masking like depression or like sadness with alcohol. It's like I don't understand mocking someone for that. Like I, I don't understand. Anyways, um, we see Erica going to lunch uh, with Garcelle. Um, they're talking about sort of like everything that happened at the Vegas trip and how like they all had like roommates. Erica goes, Kyle said to read talks in her sleep and Garcelle goes, shocker. <laughs> she's talking the entire time she's awake. So yeah, I love Garcelle just not letting up on Dorit in terms of that. Garcelle goes, I like Dorit, but when we talk, we don't really understand each other. I think for someone who talks so much, she doesn't listen. And Erica's like, ding, ding, ding. Erica doesn't disagree. Like, I love that Erica's just like, you know, I've I've kind of learned like the, how to speak to Dorit, and she's like at certain points, yeah, you like zone out, and then you come back into the conversation, and like sort of like, and it was interesting as much as I was kind of like, oh god, at Garcelle like kind of like acknowledging some of Sutton's bad stuff. I kind of liked that they both kind of were like talking honestly about their closest friend in the group in a way that was like sort of mm -hmm. in a way that was like bonding them. Yeah. Because even Garcelle's like, I didn't think Erica and I could get to this place where we would have like this like one on one conversation. Like she seems like more open and she seems less guarded. And it was it was genuinely nice to see. Yeah, it was nice to see that movement. Garcelle brings up Sutton and Erica goes, look, she had a stack of singles. And then like suddenly it flipped. And Garcelle's like, I saw the flip. Yeah. Erica's like, it's just like, don't drag everyone out with it. And then Garcelle says, Erica Freshel, maybe I do need to let Sutton fight her own battles for now on. And I was like, oh no, but don't play into that. Don't play into that narrative that you like constantly defended her last season. Cause I thought that narrative that they were pulling out last season was bullshit. Uh huh. Because they were critiquing you for just being a friend. And I think, and I do think, but my thing is, I always feel like she critiques Sutton. Like, rightfully, when she feels that, like, Sutton's not doing something right, as a friend would. Right. Like, I think that, I think that's always been the case with Garcelle. Yeah. Like, I don't think there's anything different. Um, we then go to Sutton's as Kyle then arrives <laughs> to have this conversation. And, oh, boy, it was good. It was so good. Kyle goes, how are you feeling after Vegas? Sutton goes, wasn't my favorite departure. Erica specifically, intentionally embarrassed me. And then... Sutton does a performance. She goes, <laughs> cue elevator doors. Oh, Sutton. Now's your chance. Uh. You can apologize. Uh. What the hell? <laughs> she was like, she was auditioning for company. It was great. Oh, it was something. Yeah. And then Sutton goes, hold on. I'm not done. Kyle goes, what are you, Dorit? Which I did think was a good jab by Kyle because it because remember a couple seasons ago where Sutton was fighting with Kyle in that furniture store and Sutton going you talk too much like to read sometimes <laughs> like it was kind of a callback to that which I appreciated a and little I, bit yeah and I was like good on you Kyle that that that's your one lick that I'll give you um she, Kyle goes let me know when you're done and Sutton goes don't talk to me like that but then I think this again I think this illuminates things where I was at this point I was definitively on team Sutton cuz Sutton says they're a confessional Kyle and I made a promise to one another to have each other's backs and then we see a flashback to 3 weeks ago where Kyle and Sutton have this conversation where Sutton's like I feel you don't have I feel you don't have my back and you don't advocate for me and like that's my issue when it comes to our friendship and Kyle says, 
I will make sure to do that. And, and then, then doesn't. And then proceeds to not do that. And 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 is on a bus basically embarrassing her and saying you're unhinged and, yep. and, and all that shit and just negging her. And it's like, fuck you, Kyle. Like, I get it. And Sutton says in her confessional, I had a revelation after my trip to Vegas. She's not my true friend. She's never had my back. And she's never going to have my back. And I'm like, thank you. Thank you, God. I wanted Sutton to learn this a year ago. Uh, I don't know why, but my brain goes, rotten hail. Rotten hail. <laughs> I miss Brittany. Kyle goes, are you okay? And Sutton goes, defend your friend. Defend your friend. Kyle says, just because I can see from another perspective doesn't mean I'm not your friend. Which, yes, Kyle, that would be true if that's what you were doing. Like, right. I love how Kyle constantly says blanket statements that are technically true and then goes to undermine those, but then acts as if they're still true. Yeah. You're like, not, that's not what you're doing. Yeah. Sutton goes, you sometimes come in when you haven't even heard the whole story. And this was such a Kyle response. This I hate when Kyle does this shit. She goes, I actually am very offended when you say that. Oh, it's so offensive, Kyle. She goes, I saw my friend in distress, upset. I go over there and you say you insert yourself. By the way, fuck you. That's fucking rude. Keep in mind, she's about to critique Sutton for having explosive emotional moments. And Sutton just simply saying, I feel like sometimes you come in without hearing the whole story. Kyle's response being, fuck you. That's offensive. I'm fucking offended by you. And that's a proportional emotional response. And you don't have the uh, benefit of being able to blame it on any level of alcohol. Yeah, anymore. I mean, Currently. That, that was your scapegoat when you, uh, like, cr- critiqued Sutton's abortions about whether, um, not abortions, miscarriages, yeah. over whether or not they were real or not. Right. Um, Kyle, th- and then this was great. Kyle then goes, you have a habit of losing your shit in ridiculous circumstances, too. Sutton goes, name them. Name them. And Kyle goes, well, what you did? And she goes, name them. Name them. Well, if you'd be quiet, name them. Name them. Like, let me talk, Jesus. <laughs> and then there's like seven seconds of silence. And Sutton goes, and like, stares her up and down like, Jesus. Like, like, look on her face. And then they just sit in silence. And Sutton goes, name them. <laughs> Such a fucking serve. Kyle's like, I, and Sutton goes, name them. <laughs> Kyle goes, I don't know if you're okay, actually. Name them. Are you okay? Name them. <laughs> Kyle goes, stop doing that. It's so good. It really is the new clip, clip. <laughs> it really is. Because it's like, at this point, it's like, okay, stop bullshitting. Name the list. Sure. And there is a list, but that's not the point. Like, like to me, like, people are like, well, Kyle gave the list. I'm like, yeah, she did. But it's like, it's, it, it's just like. <laughs> you don't get to point them out when you have your laundry list that is 27 times as long as anybody else's on this show. I remind people, like, literally last season, Kyle yelled in Dorit's face. I don't care. Fuck off. Because Dorit went to breakfast with Erica in Aspen instead of going to her friend's fucking weird hat place with her. And that was sent Kyle into a crying fit. Like 
which she plugged again on this episode, by the way. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, you, this dime, there's diamonds, Real on, diamonds this on this hat from Kimosabe. Kimosabe. And Dorit's like, oh, what? Let me see. It's like, oh, my God. Shut up. Yeah. Kyle goes, when you didn't have a gift at Lisa Rinna's house and you said your ugly leather pants, you lost your shit there. You lost your shit in Lake Tahoe. You lost your shit at the show. You did not seem okay in Vegas. And you don't seem okay now, frankly. And then that's the big cliffhanger of like to be continued. They're both like intensely staring at each other. People are trying to act like Kyle ate here. And I'm like, she nibbled. Like with the, with the Dorit line earlier, she nibbled. But like, the, the I, again... Like, is Sutton a little tipsy and, like, crazy here? Yes, but I love it. Like, I love that she just doesn't give a fuck about Kyle anymore. Like. Because Kyle has never given a fuck about her. Clearly. That part. That exact part. Um, That was Beverly Hills for this week. I'm excited for next week. It's the return of Denise Richards. Ah! That's going to be so fun. And also the continuation of whatever the fuck this scene is. Yeah. I don't know how it can get even more messier, but I bet it will. Um, We're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Real Housewives of Miami. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination and equity and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild... Like, accountability is love, and toxicity is not on the menu. To a little more spicy. Like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay in a Zimby. Let's head on down to Florida, where Larsa can't keep her goddamn mouth shut on Real Housewives of Miami. In, God damn it. In more ways than one. Like, like Larsa was competing to be, like, a villain. Like, like, like Oh, yeah. Like, and it was, like, and it was in the most, like, bird brain fashion, like, I've ever fucking seen. She is so, like, unintelligent. I, I don't mean to be, like, mean about it, but, like, 
oh my god, you're crazy. Like, oh no, I think it was just malicious. You think it was malicious? She don't fuck with Gertie. I guess, but like that's the. I mean, I don't even want to think about it like that because that's just like beyond the pale. But like, Jesus, like, the- like I can't imagine that you're that fucking stupid. Like, there's no fucking way. I mean, like, I-, I just there's. Like, usually I will side on, I will err on the side of stupid or incompetent rather than malicious. But I just cannot imagine a world where you think after having a, several times having it laid out to you, not to tell the rest of our friend group about my cancer diagnosis, that you then think it's okay to go ahead and go do that. Well, I w- I'll say this, like it undoubt whether it's malicious or not, it's at the very least self-centered. Larza is entire is one of the most like incredibly self-centered people I feel like in housewives. And oh, that's, yeah. and that's that, and that's a hard list to beat. Yeah. But I think she does it this episode. Like it's 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 crazy. We like come back from like the well, the cliffhanger of like Gertie and Larsa having the conversation and Lar- and Gertie just not getting through to her at any point and like being like I can't I can't do this. Larsa being like why are you crying? Just tell me why are you crying? Why are you crying? And then Gertie just having to be like I have breast cancer. And then Larsa's like How am I supposed to know that? Fuck you. I was like that's the thing you're going to say? How am I supposed to know that? I would have gotten up and walked away. And then Larsa goes, you have breast cancer? Like, how do you know? And Gertie has a look on her face like, and Larsa's like, Gertie, how do you know? And Gertie goes, are you seriously asking me that, Larsa? It's called a mammogram. Like, what? (sighs) This is where, but it's like, it's a, like, there's stupid mixed in here. There's, there's, it could be malicious, I agree, but it's like, you, no one is that unintelligent. Like, I had a dream where I was visited by Alexia's mother yeah. from beyond the grave. <laughs> and she told me I had breast cancer. And I'm just taking it at face value. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> fucking moron. I, uh, I can't. I can't. Yeah. Larsa goes like, I'm so sorry. Like, don't put the whole situation on me. I'm so sorry. It's like, I love that she slipped that in there. It's like, what is it? Like, like. You're still worried about, like, you looking bad? Guess what? You're doing a great job of it yourself. Like, you had dug a pretty bad hole, but you could have climbed out of it. Instead, you just kept digging. Yeah. And and Larsa just keeps talking. Like, she's not letting Gertie talk even at this point. Gertie's like, Larsa, stop. Just listen. Like, fuck. Like, goddamn it. Like, I feel bad for Gertie just on a level of just, like, how you talk to this person. Like, it's impossible. I'm convinced that Marcus wasn't out of town on business. He was trying to get away from Larsa. Yeah, it gotta be. Gertie's like, you know, you're only the, only the first person in this group that I've told. Larsa says, I wish you had told me this when you first sat down. <laughs> Gertie goes, like, Larsa, that's Hi, like, so- how are you? How are the kids? Uh, well, I have cancer. Yeah, so I have cancer. It's like, I mean, but in fairness later, that seems to be what Larsa thinks is a normal conversation. <laughs> Gertie's like, you know, Gertie says that, like, you know, details it, and she's not getting a full mastectomy. She's doing, I forgot there's a word for lumpectomy. Lumpectomy, where it's like underneath the breast and like to sort of. So basically, for anyone who doesn't know, the difference is with a mastectomy, they take the entirety of the breast tissue. 
with a lumpectomy, they just open the breast tissue and pull out just the cancerous material. Right. Um, which is less invasive. There are risks in reoccurrence because you have to worry about margins um, and making sure that you get all of the cancer cells. Um, they usually then pack that void with um, like the there's like mets i think is what they're called mm. like the little uh little things that give off radiation um and then go in with chemo as well if that's what your treatment plan is there's like lots of different options but like that's typically what a lumpectomy looks like it's what they typically do with other types of cancer it's just that mastectomies it's easier to just lob the whole thing off and reconstruct if you want to do that right Gertie says, like, I hope you take it in confidence right now because I'm not sure how I'm going to tell everyone. Keep this in mind. This gets replayed like six times later. Uh, Lars and Gertie, but then make up. Lars is like, I feel so bad. Like, I'm sorry. Like, let's put this whole thing behind us. Like, do you think Larsa was going, well, I'll just take it off of her plate and do it for her. <laughs> oh, my God. I can, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine if she was really that dumb and she was like, I'll make this easier for her and mention it all to everyone before she gets a chance to so that she doesn't have to. <sighs> That's that. I, Larsa, did I you see? Can't. Larsa did give some like explanation on like like in some, I don't like, care some like Instagram. It didn't make. It was just like reiterating what we saw, and it was like Larsa, we get what. Yes, that's what we saw with our eyes. It's bad. Like I don't know why people have to tell you it's bad. Like I, I just and there was that, whole, and then there's that whole thing from BravoCon where like she's now mad at Julia because. Julia asked Marcus to, like, take photos of her for, like, her Instagram and, like... Oh, I saw that shit. It's like, what the fuck, Larsa? She, like, she's loony. I'm sorry. Uh, um, Lar Larsa goes... No I wonder Kim dumped her ass. Yeah, Larsa's... But Larsa and Gertie make up and she's like, I don't want to have, like, problems over nothing. They hug and say, like, yeah, let's, you know, you know, it's, you know, small stuff. Like, we can move past it. They walk away and then Larsa goes... What if I went to TMZ and told them right now? Just kidding. And Gertie's like, ah, that's so funny. And then we cut to the graphic six hours later. And then it says, no, seriously, just six hours later. <laughs> that was the funniest use of a graphic like that I had ever seen on the show. I was crying. It was so good. We go to six hours later and she is getting ready for Marcus's uh, welcome home party that she's doing at her condo. And like two of her other friends who are not on the cast, like walk in and say hi or whatever. And like, and they sit down. Larsa goes, you guys, I had the most stressful day today. I go see Gertie. We sit down for lunch. And then she says, I have breast cancer. To these random people. I love how she not only says this to random people who are not on the cast, who I I hope at least know Gertie, but she also makes it about her. Yeah, my day was crazy. <laughs> my day was crazy. My friend has cancer. Not, wow, I'm really concerned about my friend. She has cancer. Not, I'm really... Like, I, would you join me in praying for my friend? She has breast cancer. No, it's my day was ruined with this. 
I spent all these time with these balloons from Marcus. It's like, <laughs> girl. Um, God. Guess then, I can't even, like, what the fuck? <laughs> Guess then start arriving. Lisa and Jody arrive, and they're in, like, matching denim uh, looks, which I thought was cute. But, like, the Valentine's last is like, oh, my God, like, you're matching. Like, everyone's, ma- she just keeps repeating herself, like, over and over again, which is like, yes, Larissa, we get it. Maybe she is that dumb. I think she is. That is crazy, but I think she is. I don't. I've never seen anybody that dumb. Yeah. Larsa tells them, like, yeah, Marcus has been gone for, like, five days. Lisa in her confessional. Who has a party for someone who left for five days? It's not like he went to war. (laughs) That's not even a week. (laughs) There's not a welcome home party when kids go away to summer camp for a week. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand. Also, there. Sh- Larsa shows them the the that grass elephant that she got like the previous episode. And did you like Lar- Lisa's like, can I ride it? And Larsa goes, ride your man, not your elephant. And then Lisa like rubs the uh, elephant trunk very suggestively. It was very like um, she was experienced. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. I was like, oh shit. So. Marisol arrives, Kiki arrives. They're all sitting down on the couch and talking. And this is literally how this conversation goes. Marisol asks, like, hey, how was like your lunch with Gertie? Larsa goes, I wanted to have lunch with Gertie to know, like, you know, what I ever did to make her say I was being fake. And before I know it, it's like I have breast cancer. And they all go, What? (laughs) (laughs) She does like the way she injured, she doesn't even like. Oh my god. Like it'd be one thing she shouldn't be saying it at all. She should not be saying it at all. But it would be one thing if she would just be like, Oh my god, guys, like no little- I don't even I don't even know how to like <sighs> Okay. Like like it's not even that. She just says, Guys, I had lunch with Gertie and she has breast cancer. The there's no verbal lube. She just raw dogs it in their ear hole and I just I I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't what is your problem? Yeah. This woman is either stupid, evil, or crazy. I can't decide. Yeah. And like she Mar- Marisol's like getting emotional about it cuz she I guess she has another friend of hers who's like also like getting really sick. She's like everyone around me is like dropping like flies. And she's not dropping. She's not dro- calm down. <laughs> And like, but it was like Marisol was like, you know, the, she has young kids, like they're young, fa- like, you know, yeah. like you really like it's again, it's not something for Larsa to just drop like that. Like these people, uh, Alexia then arrives. Larsa then of course has to tell Alexia because I mean, you can't leave Alexia out of this. <laughs> Alexia's just like, oh my God. Oh my God. I can't believe it. And Larsa goes. Don't say anything. Let her tell you guys. It's like, it's weird. So that's the thing. Then you're not saving her the trouble of having to. So that wasn't it. But I, that's, I don't get the logic. I don't get it. It would be one thing if she just forgot, right? If she forgot Gertie saying at the thing, don't tell anyone. Which I don't understand how that could happen because she was pretty repetitive and explicit but about maybe, it but maybe she wasn't listening like, like like that's the one thing i could be like okay maybe she didn't hear it but she definitely did hear it like oh my god and and i love marisol going 
I would never do that in a million years. Like, don't worry. It's like, unlike, I would never like go around and just like say, it, unlike you. What? Well, like, can you just imagine if Gertie came to this party and like the entire room just like snaps their head in her direction? <laughs> and it's just like, like in unison. We heard you have breast cancer. They all go to like group hugger and Lar- and Gertie just like stares at Larson, just like. <laughs> They woke they woke up Marcus and yell like surprise. Marcus looks confused as to why Larson is throwing this party. Like, I just saw you. <laughs> it's like, come on. Um, Marcus says hi to Todd, and Marcus goes, like, I came to your house expecting to see you, Todd. Todd is like, Is this an intervention? And then Todd just basically is like, Okay, so for those wondering of, as to why I wasn't at the at Alexia's party. <laughs> And this this was some bullshit. And like Kiki, I'm glad Kiki called it out for what it is, which was bullshit. Todd is like, you know, I was looking through the guest list, and I just didn't feel comfortable going to a party with someone who has talked about my family and my stepson. And I'm like, oh, this can't be just about like someone said something about Peter. Okay, Peter's thirty. Give it a break. So I think this is bullshit. You think this is bullshit. But let's take it at face value for a second. Uh Just in a little experiment. He's not allowed to be more upset about it than Alexia is. Right. And Alexia put together the guest list. So, like, (laughs) shut the fuck up. Right. It's like, what the... Um, Lars is like, who are we talking about? And Todd goes, you can Google it and find out for yourself. He like, he's not wanting to say who it is for some reason. But then Alexia's like, it's the one that you always kind of defend. And like, it's like, oh, so it's Adriana. So you were refusing to say her name now? Yeah. It's like, but it's like, she eventually reveals it's Adriana. Kiki's telling, saying in her confessional that like, it just feels like this is like a scapegoat thing. Like they came up with a story to yeah. make Alexia feel better. And Alexia... But then it's so weird. Alexia then starts to talk more about like, yeah, it's just I can't accept like when Adriana blah, blah, blah. And then Todd cuts her off and goes, you know what we should talk about? Let's talk about your awesome event, Marcus, that you're doing tomorrow night. Nobody gives a shit about us. And as he's doing, he's like grabbing Alexia's arm, like or like her shoulder almost to be like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It was odd. Like it was like. It was the same vibes I was getting from the dinner. Yeah, you last were pointing. Week. You were pointing that out last week. It's it, like it, it's very controlling. Very, I would not be surprised if they are no longer together by next season. Uh, if I mean, it really feels like it. Like, and they just got married. Yeah. Um, Larsa talks about how she's doing like this charity basketball game for Make a Wish, where all the ladies are going to participate. I love Alexia being like, "Oh wait, so like we're going to wear those like." baggy basketball shorts and Lars is like yeah that's what they wear <laughs> like she's like okay <laughs> like the, the women too yes the women too i love that she's like i can't wear something like form-fitting and like have you seen basketball <laughs> <laughs> that is gonna be a mess next episode because i don't know how that's gonna work it's not gonna um lisa they're all sitting around the table lisa talks about you know kind of like you know wanting her own money and independence because of like you know about lenny sort of like holding that over her and stuff like that she's working on this like beauty and fragrance line that uh is going to help like support that also apparently it came out this week that she's coming out with an app to like help divorcees good for her i was like that is a great way to like sort of like take this and like move like in the world and stuff like that 
Like I, I, I would be really like that's amazing. I good for her. Yeah. Um, Laura said, talks in her confessional that she's proud of Lisa for doing this because there's nothing worse about feeling than feeling financially stuck because of your partner. And then basically when the producer asks about like, if that she felt that way with Scotty, she's like, yeah, at times like, you know, when you don't have that sort of like same money and stuff like that, it's a, it's a difficult thing. And it's also interesting, like what we see with Nicole later about like the contrast of that. Oh Yeah. Um, Larsa, uh, they're talking. Larsa goes, I really was thinking of like buying him like a diamond bracelet for a present for this party. And Zara, Zara, her friend goes, because he went away for three days. <laughs> like, I just, like, I would not have been surprised if he came in the door and went, I, I just, I went to pick up a gallon of milk. Yeah. <laughs> I was gone for 10 minutes. <laughs> crazy it's like like it, this i don't know what it is it's i don't know if it's like real like it feels like it also could be like for the cameras of like yeah i'm so in love that kind of thing i don't know um they talk they get to talking about bj's maybe she still has problems with objects permanent <laughs> possibly <laughs> They get to talking about BJ's at one point for I don't even know how. And then Kiki's making those comments about like, yeah, some men's penis is like so small they can't even get it circumcised. Like like she's like like Kiki will just say what the fuck ever. Like that woman. <laughs> wow. Lisa then talks about like guys, like it's almost like the one year anniversary of when Lenny dropped the bomb on me <laughs> that he was leaving me. I was like, yay, one year like what do you want what's the response to that? Like, woohoo, like let's throw a party. <laughs> like I don't know. And the, it gets to the point where Lisa and Lisa's just kind of talking about it more and more. So the and the ladies are kind of like, like, you don't focus on this, like the girl and like 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 you just have to like, you know, you have Jody. Like, be happy, you know, all that stuff. But Lisa's like, no, I have, like, one more. She was getting into the Lisa Barlow territory of just, like, no, one more thing. Like, like. Yeah. Um, Lisa then says, even though I have Jody in my life, I've cried almost every night for one year dealing with Lenny because every day is a fight. I'm like, that's terrible. Like, I feel really. I hate that man. I hate him. He's the worst. He's awful. Like, but, like, oh, no, Lisa. Like. <laughs> Um, Marisol in her confessional says, Jody needs to be canonized because he's a damn saint for listening to all the Lenny stories. Yeah. Because it can get to be a lot. At first, when, like, the first episode when they introduced Jody into the mix, I was like, I don't, I think Lisa is handling this healthy. But the more it goes on, I'm like, yeah, you're kind of treating him like your therapist. And it's like, it's not healthy. Yeah. Especially that conversation that she has with him later. <sighs> yeah. On the phone. We have, I think we have a lot to say about that because that uh, was like really uncomfortable. Well, and then the <laughs> that whole scene with her kids and mm -hmm. the pizza and the mm. we'll get to it. Mm. Um, we then go to Nicole and Anthony looking for yachts. <laughs> this was the richest ass fucking scene I've seen on Housewives. I cannot. They're like, yeah, we just need. We're looking to just upgrade from like we have like a fifty six foot. We're wanting to get like an eighty eight foot with like multiple bedrooms and like a pool. And Nicole's like, and maybe like a helipad. Just kidding. <laughs> like, okay, but like, I would believe that. Your yacht could have a helipad. Yeah, the the range the these range from eight to eleven million dollars. Million. She, God damn, Holy she's fucking fuck. rich. Like I I I this was. Uh, 
Miami is beating Beverly Hills in the wealth porn department. Like, Which is ridiculous. It is and isn't. Like, I, I can understand. Like, Miami actually is like. Well, it's ridiculous in that the Beverly Hills symbol is a diamond. Right. Miami has flamingos. It should just be stacks of cash now. <laughs> it, honestly. Um, it, should be, it should just be. Um, everyone just has to hold Nicole's black Amex. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's good shit. Um, and, but Anthony mentions like, yeah, we need to like get a boat that works for like round two because they're talking about having another kid and which I do think. And, and at this point now, Nicole is pregnant in real time. Um, and I thought it was interesting that like they're wanting, they're looking for, they're getting the second child before the marriage. Like I find kind of just an interesting choice. Well, it's, it's a time issue with her being Right there on the precipice of like a geriatric pre- pregnancy. Yeah, because she's thirty nine, I believe. Oh no, then she's already into geriatric uh, at that point because thirty five is the cutoff. For right, that. right, right. Um, so I mean, it gets very dangerous at that point. Like it, it just does. Like your your risk of you know having you know issues with both the baby and with the mom. And pregnancy, it's just, it's a whole thing. And they seem to be more worried about, like, fertility specifically. Right. Like, Anthony's joking, like, look, my swimmers are fast. Like, I can, like, you know. No comment, because that man, he's pretty already, (laughs) but then he's rich, and that just makes him prettier. And he probably fucks good. Oh, you know, but you know she don't put up with bad dick. (laughs) She has no reason to. She has no reason to. So, this, this man is just. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I want that eight million dollar yacht. <laughs> I would settle for the eleven. <laughs> yeah. Um, we go to Julia, who's uh, going in for like a music lesson as she's like facetiming Gertie before it, and she basically tells Gertie how that she's learning how to sing opera, um, because she wants to uh, learn one of Martina's favorite songs for an event that uh, Martina's doing for like fuck cancer mm-hmm. and, and sort of stuff. And that this was like a real like sentimental thing because like um, when Martina and her were apart because Julia had to be in, I believe France, she said like Martina would listen to the song specifically and think of her. And it's like, I, I was really, I'm, I'm, I, it was a really sweet. So I, Julia just like melts my heart in that regard. Like, yes, I do think that perhaps she should have started with, Maybe learning to carry a simpler tune. <laughs> the way that Gertie on the phone is like, there's a sentimental connection and she'll get it. And that's all that matters. Whether you hit the notes or not. I'm like, that is such a shady thing to say, Gertie. But like, ma'am, ma'am, I don't you know can't what... match pitch with your warm ups. You should not be trying to do a complicated aria. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And and she's just fr- freaking out while she's like doing the like the rehearsal and stuff like that because she she keeps she's like trying to figure out how to like get the words while also like and because it, it's like also learning these like what it, I'm assuming it's fr- Italian it's Italian like yeah. it, like is incredibly difficult when it's not like a first language <laughs> her, her instructor is basically like just like say whatever if you forget them like pasta vajol. <laughs> <laughs> I literally did that one time. Okay, so for for those who don't know, I started my college career as a uh as a classical music major and as a vocalist, you have to do 
well as a any in, or any instrument whatever your instrument is you have to do what are called juries right. at the end of the semester it's basically the finals for your lessons so as a vocalist i had to go in and sing um i was assigned one semester um uh, if i remember correctly it was defiani alla finestra from don giovanni and i had memorized everything and it was perfect i got up there on stage got through the first verse started the second verse and completely blanked on the italian when i tell you i made up some watermelon watermelon spaghetti pasta fagioli <laughs> italian until i just started singing the first verse again basically i got through it I did not pass with flying colors, but I passed. <laughs> Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. I, it works, like, because the, the panel was like, okay, so we know this song. That was not the Italian. But you kept going, so good on you. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Bye. Oh, God. Um. So, so then, oh my God! Like get, get your fucking tissues out for this scene. We see Gertie then uh, going on a walk with Russell as they're talking about things. Mm-hmm. It starts really funny because Gertie's talking about her fear of birds. <laughs> oh yeah. So, if there's more than five birds in one area, they're out to get me. <laughs> as there's like a duck that's like tailing them. <laughs> Um, but Gertie then starts talking about like sort of like the sur- the surgeries coming up for her um, for her um, what you said not mastectomy um, lumpectomy lumpectomy. Um, she's talking about it. Gertie's like, I was reading online. <laughs> she jokes with him. I was reading online. Your loved one should not ask you not to cry. And, and like joking with him and Russell goes, I said, try not to cry in front of the kid when you tell the kids. And then Russell talks about how like because Gertie's like, I basically made the decision that Russell had to tell the kids because I. And he's much more, he's like, he's much more measured, which we've seen, like, Gertie's definitely a ball of energy in in normal yeah. life. And Russell is very, like, stoic to where, like. Well, the the whole point of him saying that, though, is that you have to create a sense of security so that your kids can feel like their mom's not dying. Right. And he talked about, like, I was reading a lot of stuff online, too. And, like, one of the things they said was, like, young kids might ask, like, if it's, like, contagious or whatever. And that's exactly yeah. what their son did, like, and sort of, and all that stuff. Um, and it's just, and like, as someone who's had, had that conversation directed to me. Yeah. Like, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's one of the worst things you can do. Yeah. And, so, and like, those kids were younger than you were going through that. Uh, maybe like slightly younger, maybe a, like one of them's like about my age because I think one of them's like okay. thirteen. But like, yeah, it's it's yeah, yeah. Um, Russell tell tells her like I'm here for you. Gertie goes, that's not what you're here you're here for. By the way, you were not put on this earth to deal with my shit. Okay, so you don't have to say that. And Russell goes, your shit is my shit. Gertie's like, I understand, but and Russell tells her, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I got your back. And we were both like, ah! literally both sobbing. It was like, it was so he's amazing. And I think like he's like, like, ah, that that oh, I can't talk about it more. It's gonna choke me up. Because the thing is, is that he can go and deal with his shit in therapy. He can go and talk to friends about it and get it out. Yeah. But his job in that marriage is to support her. Right. Yeah. And he showed up. Like, that... Mm. Yeah. 
Let's move on. I can't. I can't. I can't. Um, we go. Oh, God. But this scene. So then we go to Lisa's house and what you were mentioning before. So she's on the phone with Jody sort of talking about like all like the Lenny stuff. He, she's upset because like he's like he's taking away like a vehicle from me when he has three and I have zero. And like I need to like have a vehicle to go and get a vehicle. Like I need like, yeah. the, you know, I have the kids to take care of. Like this is crazy. Um, like Lisa ordered the kids like pizza and her son is like picking up the pizza from the guy at the front door. Like as she's like on the phone, just like talking, she's like, yeah, I'll be there. Like, you know, sort of like, can we talk about how nasty this fucking pizza looks? Oh, it was bad. Like what, where it did they get this like from? Play-Doh pizza. What the fuck was that? The, the, the crust was like yellow and by yellow i mean like it looked like it was made out of a simpson yeah and it was like it looked like there was like just like the cheese there was something with the cheese like it was like it was like it looked like it was like just snow like like, you know the fake snow yeah it's like they covered in it was it was nasty you could not have paid me to eat that pizza no i'm good Um, i'll go to domino's thanks but she's talking to jody on the phone lisa says her confessional I really should get a therapist, but Jody is sort of that. He's a keeper. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Don't do no. that. Mm-mm. Wrong road. Um, but, and it was so sad though. Cause like Lisa's like being like, you know, I can't believe he's doing this to me, blah, blah, blah. And the kids are like down at the table yeah. below, like eating and you can tell they can hear it. Like yeah. Lisa's like, you know, being like, it's sick that this is the type of man I'm dealing with. And her daughter goes like, yeah, I know. I know. Like sort of like being like, yeah, mom's crazy. And I'm like, Oh fuck! Yeah, and that's it's it's a hard thing, and I'm not saying it's like easy on Lisa by any means. I'm sure it isn't because, like we mentioned, Lenny is a particular asshole. Um, but it and and like she talks about like the sort of like alienation stuff later too. But it's like as much and Lenny's gonna do that because he's a piece of shit. Um, but you have to it like it's it's hard, but you have to make it such a point to keep that away from the kids and like. Even if you don't think the other party's doing that, like you have to be so so diligent about that, um, and and even not just and, and it's one thing of just like talking about their dad in a way, but also it's like the stress that you they're picking up on the stress. They're picking up on the stress, and also they're at a young enough age where they don't they don't understand that just because my dad's a piece of shit does not mean that. I'm a piece of shit. Right. So they're going to start to internalize that and go, I have part of him in me. Yeah. And that means I'm as awful as he is. Yeah. And so she eventually comes down. She's like clearly stressed out, but she's having dinner with them. You, you had a visceral reaction when, because Lisa's like, don't have too many slices. And her son, Logan goes, it's cheat day. Like joking. That should not be in their vocabulary. Yeah. It's not that healthy. Like that's a thing that diet culture is already insidious and awful and does us adults in those literally barely older than toddler age children should not know that language should not have any exposure to diet culture. Absolutely not. And it was also bad that like Lisa was like trying to like say something, but like he wasn't like paying attention. So she was getting, and she's already stressed, right? So like the stress is coming on. She's frustrated. And then she just gets mad. She's like, okay, no more pizza or whatever. Like she has no one to pass it off to. Right. And it's like, but it's like, that's also an unhealthy thing that you're like, then like inputting of like the relationship with food of like, oh, taking it away because you're not like, 
uh, like, and I know she doesn't know this. I know she doesn't have like the language to like understand that. Like, you know, I do. I, like, she's a little smarter than Larsa. <laughs> like, but like, it's just, it was sad to see because I was like, no, this is the exact wrong things to do. And it's yeah. like, but I know you're so like overwhelmed, and it's like you know, like and she's trying so fucking hard, and she's doing it on her own while fighting this legal battle. Yeah. And it's she like, and she knows what's happening to a certain extent because she says in her confessional, "They need the best of me, but instead of getting my attention and my love, I'm on the phone fighting with Lenny." And then she says, "I feel like Lenny's trying to x me out." He said one day the kids will see who you really are, and then they won't even choose you. And it's like, I want to fight. I, like I want to fight him so hard. <laughs> like it's he's he's, but like. And, and it's not easy to say to Lisa, you need to be better. And it, and, and that's not going to fix it. But it's like, I, I really hope that she gets to an actual therapist and like. Is... She needs help. She needs someone in that house helping her with those kids. Right. Because she doesn't have right now the ability to look after the kids and have fighting all these battles and be able to vent about those battles because she has to do that. She can't just hold that in. Right. And she needs to do that in a place that's not Jody so that that can be a healthy relationship. Yeah. So it's just, she needs help and she's doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, we then go to Nicole, who's arriving back at her home, um, her new con- her her con her interim condo until they get the, the other house fixed up or whatever, which is still like gorgeous. It's like goddamn. It, it was fine. Just move in. Yeah, her mom is at the house with her son, um, and um, Nicole talks about how like her son is now like specifically asking for like a little sister, and so that's why a lot of the conversation also is happening about like having a baby and stuff like that again. Um, <laughs> she tells her mom, like, I know everyone's like, when are you going to get married? Like, it's just not a rush for me. And her mom goes, I mean, getting married is overrated. It's like not a big deal. <laughs> like, I, and I think there is a casualness to Nicole's view on marriage. Nicole goes like, been there, done that. Where did it get me? It got me a divorce. Like, you know, I mean, fair, but also like, especially when you're, when you're in that high of a tax bracket. The break you get from marriage is not really that big of a deal. Yeah. But I also think, well, she talks about it, too, because her, her mom brings up, like, you know, there's this, like, Florida law where if you aren't married, you basically get nothing in, like, you know, in terms of things. But Nicole goes, like, look at Lisa, though. Like, financial security doesn't come from a piece of paper. It doesn't come from someone else. You create your own financial security. And I right. actually commend Nicole because I do think you – I think she is with Anthony because she loves him. Right. And wants a family with him. And it is important for what she's doing in the sense that she does have the financial security to – you know, she's a doctor. She's an – she, she has a career in which she can support right. herself. Without this, she makes a joke about like, um, you know, I would miss like the personal pilot, but I would be able to like take care of myself. Yeah. And I'm like, fucking personal pilot. <laughs> fucking personal pilot. Not just the private jet that you own, but you have a pilot that is just yours apart from Anthony's personal pilot. Yeah. But it's like, that is, it's, it gives you a freedom. It's like what we talked about before. There's a freedom yeah. in the ability to... Just be with someone because you love them. Right. And not have to worry about any... Like, if it fucks up, I'm good. 
the in only that. thing that is at stake is my heart. Yeah, and my child. Like right, but like, but you know, if you if you're in a good enough place to where you can be adults and work in a custody, right? Agreement. It's just the interpersonal relationships that are at stake. There's no like survivability that's on the line. Right. Exactly. Um, we then see Julia and Martina going out to eat and they're, they had, I didn't mention it before, but Julia had invited Gertie, um, to this dinner to sort of talk with Martina to get any advice and stuff like that with her cancer. Um, Martina talks about, you know, getting used to like eating again and Martina and, um, Martina says like garlic helps. Julia goes, not for kissing. Martina says, you're going to plan on doing something kissable. Julia says, if you're nice to me, Martina says, I'm always nice to you. Julia's like, I'm always nice to you. And Martina goes, hmm. And then goes, you failed. And Julia's like, what? I thought the way Martina delivered this was very harsh, even though I understood. I mean, I understood it. Because Martina's like, I had my last treatment like three days ago. And you like completely forgot about it. And like, there was no like recognizing of it. And Julia says that like, this sucks because like, I was literally... Tra- learning the opera as this was happening yeah i can't tell her this because like you know yeah but she and you could tell she really took it to heart like just of like n- you know missing that moment and i think because especially in the last year of like having those moments where she was very like in her mind took martina for granted in certain ways before the cancer right. like missing that means more to her now right yeah, yeah. Um, but Mart and Martina's like, it's okay. Like, you know, they, they make up pretty quickly enough. Um, you know, um, yeah. Gertie ends up arriving though. Um, and, and starts to talk to Martina about everything and asks about like how radiation is and how chemo is. And, and Martina got hers done basically at the same time. Right. Like, consecutively. Um, Gertie talks still more about like, you know, they, ba- I'm doing, I'm going to be doing radiation, but they're recommending chemo because the size is like, it's like right on the line to whether she technically needs chemo but it's like mm, at this point you kind of just go all in and rather overdo it than underdo it that's what the, i that's my thing is like err on the side of that um be aggressive as fuck get but I, rid of that shit yeah, fuck cancer but i understand her like she's like i don't like i hope it's not chemo, a, a chemo thing because chemo something about chemo makes it feel more real in the sense of like right and and I can understand that, like as like chemo fucks you up, and it's like, you know, there's a direness that I don't, and you know, it's 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 just science at the end of the day. Yeah. But it's like there's a direness that comes with it that like can be really emotionally draining in that regard. Yeah. But I like if you're in the situation where you have the amount of money that they have, and it's not. <laughs> A situation where you are going to go bankrupt trying to get cancer treatment. Right. You you go for it. That's true. Like, yeah. You just, like, honestly, if I were her, I would have just said, fuck it. Do a full mastectomy. Let's get rid of that shit. Let's do reconstruction. Let's do a full round of chemo and radiation. Let's make sure that fucking shit never comes back. Yeah. You know, and that's how I would treat it, but it's also a very different thing when you're in it. So I don't know, right? It's, it's, cancer's fucking awful and it's terrifying. So like, I get being in the moment, being scared and not knowing 
really what to do. Right. Um, Martina brings up, because Gurry asked about the radiation, and Martina's like, I mean, you're just going to be tired, and, you know, your skin might get a little red. And Gertie's like, actually, mine won't, because, you know, obviously, you know, being black. But then she brings up this, like, really... I think important point that I didn't even think about. She's like, and, and it's just so frustrating because I, I was Googling brown skin radiation, brown skin breast cancer, not one picture. Where are the black breast cancer survivors to like be an example to show? Because it's like, it's not going to look like that way for me. Right. And I, and, and it sucks that I can't see that to like calm me in that sense. And like, you know, right. I, and, and, and I, I agree completely. I think it's such an important thing for Gertie to say on this platform. Because it is important. I, my immediate thought was also like, get her in contact with Doctor Jackie, right? Because like you know, Jackie has been open about like her journey with that. Like, well, and it's that way across all of medicine. Like, if you look through an anatomy book, they're all white folks. Yeah. If you look through, like, and that's because all of the testing, all of the like picture perfect of health is white people, right? Like, when you talk about what average health is amongst black people that's a different thing than it is for white people and it's going to be different amongst asian people and it's going to be different amongst so it's like you have to have a full representation and not just say whiteness is the standard yeah and that like once we start to explore that and get equity there we could actually start getting people treated with equity because there are still doctors to this day that believe that black people have a higher threshold for pain. Yeah. And will then therefore give them less pain medication. It's just, it's, it's, it's so fucking baffling that like, that has to be like taught to medical professionals. Like it's, 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 it's insane. It's, I mean, they used to think that babies couldn't feel pain and would operate on them with no anesthesia. Like, God, like I can't, I can't with people. Medicine is terrifying. It, it really is. <laughs> it, it really, truly is. Um, and but then it leaves on like a light note because Gertie asks, like, you know, you don't have to answer this question if it's too, you know, in, in, you know, um, evasive. But like, you know, what about like intimacy, like when you're going through like radiation and chemo? And Martina's like, I was able to function completely normally. And Julia's face is like, Yeah, you were. It was a lot. Yeah. Could we also talk about this giant fucking red fish that they brought out with oh. an eye that looked like it was staring into my soul? Yeah, you didn't. You don't it, like those kind of. Nope. Absolutely not. This was this was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. Um, we end the episode with like this really quick scene where Larsa and Marcus are talking at their place about like the charity event and like how and you know organizing it and all that stuff. And Larsa's like, I just hope these girls you know keep me in my positive send state and it all goes well and then it just cuts again to six hours later and then they're all in the sprinter van and then it just immediately fucking kicks off with adriana and marisol and i'm like of course it does like uh miami was great it like such good ups and downs with this show particularly like just fucking really great stuff overall loving miami yeah all right, let's get into these tops and bottoms. We got Potomac, we got Salt Lake, we got Beverly Hills, we got Miami. What you thinking, babe? Um, I'll start with my top, actually. I'm going to give it to, actually, the more I talk about it, uh, Heather over on Salt Lake. Ooh. I, I, I liked Heather a lot this episode. Yeah, I, I did too. I, it, it was so great to see, like, the redemption of her from last season. Like, last season was so fucking bad. She needed a redemption. And, like, you know, and, and I'm wondering how things will progress with this whole 
Monica stuff, especially now with her like suing her and stuff like that. So that might change. Who knows? But for this episode, I thought this was also a good like sort of culmination of her like Mormonism story. And like, like, I mean, it's going to still probably be talked about, but like put a cap on it in a certain way that I thought was really satisfying at the end of the day. Um, Yeah, I I really it, it reminded me of why I liked Heather in the beginning. And yeah, just really refreshing to see. Um, my bottom, I'm going over to Potomac and I'm giving it to Juan Dixon because I that's I, I still can't get over how bad that scene was with him and Robin in the kitchen. Yeah. It's just like you have to make me believe it. Like it's and it's just like not happening. And this it, I think I said it last week, it was like this is illuminating as to why he doesn't show up to the reunions because it's like Oh yeah. So it's like if if this is your normal performance, like you you're right to stay stay home because it would not do you any fucking good. I believe everything that's against him because he's just really terrible at you know advocating for himself. Like it's, I will say, he's not going to have an excuse this season for not showing up to the reunion. Oh yeah, because what is he going to say? He has work. Like where? Who hired you? McDonald's? Exactly. Yeah, Juan definitely is my bottom for the week. Um, what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Uh, well, I think predictably my bottom is Larsa. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because holy fucking shit. It's really like, so, it's just, I can't even put in the words. <laughs> how self-centered do you have to be to make someone else's breast cancer about you and then to go whine to everyone about it simultaneously revealing that cancer diagnosis. Yeah. I just, I need Gertie to skin her alive. And I have a feeling that will happen. And I can't wait. Yeah. It's going to be fabulous. I'll be watching with popcorn. Um, My top for the week. I debated whether this person would be top or bottom. Mm-hmm. And I settled on top. And that's Sutton. Look, I think last week was more of the bottom. Yeah. It, this, this week, like, I think this week she stood up for herself. She said, look, I wasn't the problem here. Yeah, maybe what I did wasn't great. But, like, Y'all piled on. Y'all made it worse. Right. I could have just sat in the corner and been fine. Y'all made this a big deal. And then to just, like, lay into Kyle like that and just lay it on out there why she's full of shit and why she ain't never been shit and ain't never going to be shit. (laughs) It's just, uh, like, there, there's just... There's so many reasons why I love Sutton Strack. Um, Unfortunately, we don't have enough time for me to name them. Hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening. And check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And And we're we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.